0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com slash outnowpodcast. Previously on Out Now with Aaron and Abe.
1: I'm beginning to think that Michael Fassbender is a time traveler who has become a bit more friendly as the years progress.
0: Hmm. You know, I've also been thinking about that, too. He's a plantation owner who then time-travels through Nazi Germany to stop Hitler, but disguises himself as a film critic.
1: Then he goes on a revenge mission all the way to Argentina to kill all SS soldiers who have wronged him and his family, and somehow develops mutant powers.
0: Yeah, and then he ends up living in New York and having tons of sex, but not before trying to get into the drug trafficking scene.
1: What a time-traveling pimp. This guy deserves more likes. Abe, you know he's an actor in different roles, right? A time-traveling actor? Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction! Stop stop mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: And gentlemen. Is Everybody feeling all right? Is everybody feeling all right?
0: We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Buenas tardes! It's not really the afternoon. I I like the hesitation. (laughs) (laughs) And then the follow-through. I think I've mentioned this before. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Out Now is a film podcast Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring a discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode 129. 129.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I, <it's> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, just, I just leave a blank out there see what oh, Ian has oh, to say oh, about this episode. Almost 130. Yeah. <laughs> almost 130. Yeah, you're right. And this week we're talking about 12 years a slave um i'm I'm gonna make no buts about this i i've made this the most the blackest possible podcast to talk about 12 years of slave because i have two great guests and i've i've gone through the podcast channels to make abe an honorary black person for this episode so here we go talking about 12 years of slave with us we have from just seen it currently working on playing small character roles before hitting the big time it's celine labelle
3: yes indeed i have the proper amount of melanin that's needed for this review nice
0: (laughs) and also from just seen it She's told friend of the show Brenna Smith to go to her room because now it's her turn. It's Leah Aldridge.
4: Good evening. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Glad to have you. First time on the show.
4: Yeah, it is. First time listener, I just,
1: long time caller.
4: was <laughs> wondering what was taking you so long to invite me. I just I didn't want to take it personal, you know.
0: I I just I wanted the right movie, the right movie to get to get Leah Aldridge onto the show.
4: The right movie. <laughs> gotcha and obviously I mean, we could <laughs>
0: put you on for turbo but you know, that wouldn't have been good at all
4: yeah well you know
0: <laughs> but no we i have you now i have salim here abe's doing his best so we're gonna we're gonna do it guys yeah. we're finally i'm yeah. gonna fi- i'm excited i've been wanting to talk about 12 years of for quite some time and i've I'm been saying we gotta black to up tell our, you the truth we gotta black up this podcast
2: yeah like, all right.
0: <laughs> if i if i if i had my way every week we maybe would have other black people on this podcast with me.
4: You'd be blacking it up. I'd have I'd have Marcus all the time, just like hanging. <laughs> like. Blacking but it then, up. But then there would be the popo would be waiting around, you know, yeah. uh, speakers the, somewhere the sky, the sky, for The sky us.
1: popo. The sky popo. The sky popo.
4: And that's
1: and that's not even fair because all we're doing is we're just asking questions.
4: We're just asking <laughs> a bunch of questions. That's too far, Abe. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Okay, I'm glad that I've alienated a few listeners. So those who are still around, yes, yeah, so we are going to talk about Twelve Years a Slave the Sleep, But let's get to some announcements. Abe is still here too. <laughs> let's get to some announcement stuff first. Big, big announcement. First of all, oh, I, I did. Yeah, I did it. I changed my Twitter handle. It's, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. I, I, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, I changed my Twitter handle. It is now Aaron's PS4. I did it, guys. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. No, We're going to have to have an offline conversation about how you did that because I just was told that. <laughs> Once it's – whatever you pick, it's, you're just stuck with it. You just can't change it. So you're going to have to tell me how you oh, did it.
0: All right. I, I found the magic key, I guess, because that did it. I, it's, it's not, it is now at Aaron's PS3. You can still find me, I believe, through Aaron's – or sorry, Aaron's PS4. You guys, <laughs> I'm not used to saying it, Abe. I'm sorry. This is, this is big, important news. Get also, your back straight. Also, another thing. I'm kind of leaving for Africa on Monday, and I'm not going to be around for two weeks. Um,
1: uh, so, Ace is <laughs> going to be running everything. Yes. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. The other big, bigger announcement. Um, I am going to be off of this show for a couple weeks. I am going on vacation. i uh, leaving literally tomorrow after this recording to head to South Africa, where I'll literally be blacking it up there as well. But I think they already did a good job right already. So, we'll <laughs> see how that goes. Fox, they, uh, they it's did kind of right. a state of mind. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I am going to be gone, and I'm leaving... I'm, I'm i'm giving the reins over to abe for a couple weeks and i'm excited to see what a show without me sounds like on it with just abe as the host
1: it's gonna it's gonna sound like me talking to myself because that's all that's gonna happen
0: because everyone will be no like guess. I don't wanna,
1: yeah I don't no guess. i'm gonna i'm gonna pretend to be marcus i'm gonna pretend to be leah everybody just
4: don't just don't have your feelings hurt if you come back and no one's missed you okay <laughs> exactly
0: Thank you, first time guest, <laughs> Lee Aldrich.
4: <laughs> and last time, apparently. Well, we don't tell you
1: until after the show that you're
4: not. going No,
0: gonna I, I, I'm sure Abe's going to do a tremendous job without me, and I'm excited to see what he thinks of the the upcoming movies and what it, what it, what the what these shows end up sounding like. I, I will have very I I don't even know what my internet access will be. So I but I'm I'm curious.
1: So. Oh, trust me, you won't have any.
0: Okay, there we go.
1: <laughs> um, You'll probably have some.
0: Um, I'm, exci- awesome. I'm excited. Yeah, I like. I love doing the podcast, but I'm excited to take a take a little break.
1: No, no, Good you can take no. so. Uh, you. Uh,
0: with that, we'll get to what I've done to prep for this in the out now quickie section. But for TM, TM. But before that, let's uh, do some more announcements. on um, iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those helps out the show. I've announced the contest many times, but if you leave an iTunes review review on on iTunes on our page, um, you, you'll be entered into a raffle. Eventually, there will be a winner chosen from this raffle. You just kind of have to notify, like, let us know, like, hey, we left you a review, and then we'll put your name in a raffle. We'll choose two names from said raffle, and you'll win a Blu-ray prize pack. It's free. It's easy. Prize
1: pack, to... meaning more than one.
0: Exactly. So all you, have, all you have to do, enter this, co- and, you know, iTunes to be the rating. It, uh, it helps out our show, helps other people find our show, and you could possibly win something. No downside there. Um, Let's see. What else? Happy birthday, Jose Cordova, friend of the show. So it was his birthday this week, and... uh Proud to say, happy birthday to him. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, cool. Check out his, uh, he's doing weekly recaps of Legend of Korra, actually, at the celebritycafe.com, I believe. Yeah. So.
1: Nice.
0: Um, and that's, yeah, that's it for announcements. Though. Let's do a little Know Everybody.
1: No every Oh, wait.
0: <laughs> good one. Each week it out out there today, we try to ask each other a few questions, try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to
1: Know no everybody. everybody. Boom, there That's pretty you go. good. We nailed that oh, one. That's 129 great. episodes, and we finally did it.
0: Okay. I'm gonna let Abe start this one off this week.
1: Awesome. Salim. hmm Better Brad Pitt plantation character. A Canadian farmer or a vampire? <laughs>
3: Let's see here. I guess I just gotta figure out which one annoys me less. <laughs> <laughs> they're both they're both kinda nice. Yeah, they're you know, they're both kinda nice, but they're both have I, I don't know. I I'd say the vampire just mm. cuz.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he he'll he'll just, uh, you know, be on your side most of the time.
3: Exactly. And plus he's already really pre- He's already very pretty. So yes. just, yes. just you know, it just he just makes sense. <laughs> All right?
4: He has here's, that whole here's... kind of Abraham Lincoln beard thing going on in 12 Years a Slave. He does. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's it's funny cuz it's like I, I mean, cuz I just re-saw it and it's like the way that you know that he's from the south is cuz he doesn't have a mustache. It's just the chops. That just connect together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Liam, your turn. Okay. Let's see here. What would you say is
1: your favorite memoir movie? Are you asking this to the audience? I'm or... no, I'm asking it to you, Abe, because you just. Oh, to me. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um... Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote his memoirs, and uh, uh, it was fantastic. Was you good. know, I yeah, was gonna say. he got say... made into a movie. I didn't
3: even give you choices but yes oh, oh, that was going No 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 that's what I was saying I didn't even give them to you and you you knocked
1: it out the park Abraham yes. Lincoln Vampire Hunter What can I say man all Probably Abraham's
3: the most probably the most American. historically accurate memoir that I've ever seen Absolutely
1: he, that I, I, man would
0: not tell a lie I have an answer to this question Yeah yes The Diving Bell and the Butterfly That was oh, going yes. to one... be on my list
1: of question of uh, movies to ask yeah. you I mean that guy literally blinked out his memoirs it, so. Very much so, and that movie's, I, that movie's fantastic. By the way. Yeah, the way that
3: they were able to execute it, you know, considering what he, you know, what it was, it was pretty, it was
1: pretty phenomenal. Uh, so my, my answer kind of sucked, but <laughs> I guess I'm sticking with it. Um, all right, Leah. Yes. Worst person to trust when having drinks: Scoot McNary in Twelve Years a Slave, or Scoot McNary in general. He kind of looks like a slimy dude.
4: Which one was Scoop McNary? The one that you wasn't
1: Aaron Killam. <laughs> um, the one with the more facial hair, I guess.
3: The one who, you know, like tricked like My friend Solomon. and I,
1: my friend and I have this circus and we'd love for you to perform there. We'll give you
4: $40. Oh, that guy. I wouldn't I wouldn't I please. I wouldn't I wouldn't even sit at the same table with that guy. I couldn't there trust
0: you. Go. If he was trying to sell me on Argo, though, like he did in Argo to those guards, I'd probably, I'd probably listen to him.
1: <laughs> oh yes, yeah, that that is true. Yeah, he's I mean, like, look, spaceships right here.
4: Oh, so this is this guy's an up and comer, right? He's a, yeah, this, he's, yeah been, he's,
1: he's been in a few. Uh, he was in
0: Monsters. He was in Monsters. He was in Killing Them Softly last year, also with Brad Pitt.
4: But his oh, name is his name is Scoot McNary. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He's like Australian <laughs> or something, isn't he? Isn't he?
1: uh that might be a different dude i think it's he's american i believe actually yeah. oh
4: okay well yeah come on his name is scoot you right <laughs> <laughs> um okay is it my turn yeah yeah aaron yeah favorite or um favorite slave movie and i'm gonna give you three to choose from all right so that narrows it down <laughs> yeah because there's so many of them yeah. uh 12 years a slave Django Unchained or Mandingo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: I feel like both of those films take from Mandingo also.
4: Uh,
0: uh, I would go Django. We'll talk about Twelve Years a Slave, but it's not to discredit my thoughts on one movie. It's just more twelve years or Django was my number one of last year, and it's a movie that I'd I'd watch more frequently in the long run too. Uh-huh. Which I think I think that counts for a lot.
2: Yeah,
4: you get that. Yeah, um, hey, people don't realize re- how important repeat viewing is to the success of a film. I think. For sure. Certainly, filmmakers get it, but um, the general public—it's like—I mean, we don't really realize how important repeat viewing is uh, to the success of a film. So, I think that's valid.
0: <laughs> Salim. Yes. What was your least favorite chore growing up? My least favorite chore.
3: You know, it's a toss-up between doing the dishes and folding clothes. If Fold- you said,
0: if you said something like it's a toss-up between folding clothes and cotton picking, I was like, what? Like,
3: <laughs> you know, those hard days. You know, in uh, in southern in Southern California, Claremont, man. <laughs> folding Ooh. my clothes and picking that cotton. Claremont <laughs> is pretty hot.
4: <laughs> you know the Inland Empire. It's like sweat- I'm sweating like a slave. <laughs> oh, but um, my least favorite chore, even though nobody asked me, was shoveling snow. Ooh, Ooh.
1: yeah.
4: Yeah. That- <laughs> <Sound> like- <laughs> <laughs> what the
1: hell was that? <laughs> it's like a it's like a cat hairball.
4: <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> what was it- the longest you
3: ever spent shoveling snow?
4: You know, it it always felt like an eternity, especially when you get halfway down the sidewalk and you turn around and everywhere you just cleared is now, again, covered in snow. When you're sent out to shovel snow while it's still snowing.
0: Yeah, that's not good.
4: It's like the equivalent of go play in traffic or something like that.
0: (laughs) I used to, and this does not compare because the temperature is not a factor, but I used to have two giant pine trees on my house. Amy might remember this, two giant pine trees in front of my house, and I had to sweep up all the pine needles from the driveway every week. Oh. That was always a big ordeal for me. <laughs> but losing yeah, losing
4: battle, it's, Lose, its just like it, you just—it's it, like gray hair. You just are not going to win that fight.
0: We've we've since just we've we've gotten rid of both palm uh, pine, pine trees. Pine before. trees. Yeah. But,
4: uh, is it Salim's turn? It's Salim's turn. Yeah.
3: It is my turn, indeed. I, I don't have any funny questions. They're all kind of. Like, doesn't matter. You know, it's all good. <laughs> I,
0: I just like that we're sprinkling in film things on this film podcast and talking more about life so far. So just go for it. Ask a question. Okay.
3: <laughs> so in terms of Chiwatel and where he's going after this movie, do you think his next film is going to be in the realm of something like stealth, like Jamie Foxx did, or Catwoman, like Halle Berry did, or he'll actually have a good career after his hopeful Oscar nomination? And I'm going to ask Aaron, uh, Aaron, or I'm going to ask, actually no, Leah,
4: I'm going to ask you that. Oh. Um. Well, you know, he's had a pretty eclectic career up until this point. Um. You know, I just had a conversation with somebody earlier today about Dirty Pretty Things yeah. and Kinky Boots. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, and then he does, and you know, when he comes in, he does Hollywood films. He has to, he's relegated to, frequently relegated to, Roles like, you know, Angelina Jolie's boss in Salt. It's like, oh, God, really? <laughs> um, it's like, you know, black people who come from other parts of the world don't realize that they're black until they come to the United States. It's very interesting. Um, I think that he's going to continue to uh, hopefully do quality roles. That's my, my fingers are crossed. But I do think that uh, as long as it's dependent on Hollywood, and in playing Hollywood's game, um, it's uh, he's 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 really not perceived as uh, what do you call it? Like he's not leading man in the same way that Denzel Washington is. Mm-hmm. So it's it's he's got a couple strikes against him. He's got a strike against him because he's not really Denzel Washington action um, big star A list uh, quality yet. Uh, which means that he'll probably continue to do it may not be difficult for him to keep doing kind of like second banana kind of kind of gigs. However, he looks fabulous in this Showtime show. so we'll see. which
3: would, uh, would he has a new show coming out?
4: He has a um, the the show on uh, HBO call excuse me on Showtime called. let me pull it up real quick. You know, and he was great in things. When he's in European films, he tends to do a little better. You know, Children of Men, mm-hmm. how European that was. <laughs> um, Dancing on the Edge. Dancing on the Edge. Uh, okay.
0: On, on Stars, yeah. Here we go. Nice.
4: Star, that series, uh, but that's set in 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 the UK as well. Oh, so okay. Gets very different treatment when he's doing films that are either co-productions or things that are emanating out of the UK compared to what he's cast in here in the U S
0: with that being said, I mean, and my friend of the show, Scott Mendelsons talked about this too. Like he, he seems primed for one of these, like a fit in, in some of these kind of big franchise movies. Like if he was cast like controversially as like Lex Luthor in the next Superman movie, I totally respect that just because like, Oh, Chiwetel Ejiofor is making big time with this kind of thing. Like, and, does the movie automatically become good because of that? Not necessarily, but I like that, an at, like an outside of the box choice, like Chiwetel Ejiofor for like a traditionally white villain character, even anything of that nature. I mean, that's that seems feasible to me in my eyes.
3: Yeah, and, and he's 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 led before, like he was in Red Belt, the David Mamet movie, which was, didn't really do that well, but still, like I feel like he's he's had a couple of times where he's been kind of the leading role. So well, I
4: feel like he was he, he was you know, it was a twofer in Talk to Me, him and Don Cheadle. Yeah.
3: Exactly, yeah.
4: And so it's clear it, it, it's clear that he has the chops, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of whether audiences will buy him as um, a leading man who can open a film.
3: Exactly. No, I, 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 I don't I know that
4: that has been proven yet. Although 12 Years a Slave, um, there are other conditions that go along with a film like 12 Years a Slave where his performance notwithstanding it's really more the film is really kind of more of a phenomenon so they could have almost maybe put an unknown in that role as well yeah you know so i you know i don't i don't know Uh, hollywood treats treats black actors very very let me let's look at idris elba's career yeah brit and uh where he gets to star and open a film if at all
3: well, I wonder also to what extent being black and British um, affects that. Well,
2: it, I,
4: it seems to me that there's, there's a, there is a, a little bit more latitude with the black Brits than with black <laughs> Americans. I'm just saying. I have no, no I agree. empirical <clears throat> evidence to support that. Uh, but yeah. there does seem to be a, a willingness. But we have a fascination here in the U.S. anyway. with, um, with We tend to be a little anglophilic anyway. Um ooh, British people, or even Australians for that matter. Ooh, you know, Aussies. We're we're kinda of fascinated with that. Uh even though they all speak with a, a mark and accent.
2: I like the
0: way you talk. If there was if there was a um sorry, if there was an action comedy called Black Brits starring Chuitella e. g and Ader I'd watch that immediately. <laughs> oh
2: my god.
3: I'm
0: there.
4: I'm there greenlighted. It's like it's <laughs> like it's like, it. like
0: Beverly Hills cop except they're both from Britain and they have to come over to the America to the States. <laughs> so
4: they have to have like I'm all over. Can you see those two as, as like the the cops in the opening sequence of The Other Guys? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> oh, we need the other guys too. Sorry, I get yourself a and, and g 4 and they meet up with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Where's Hollywood? Where's my Hollywood phone? Where's my red yeah. phone? "Hey, yeah, Hollywood, it's like,
3: oh, I, Hollywood it's like, I have a movie for you."
4: Here you go. There <laughs> you go. Million dollar pitch. Um, okay. I guess it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Here. Okay. Uh, Abe. Yeah. In terms of, um, depictions of American South mm-hmm. in the last, oh, I don't know, 15 years or so, which do you think is, does a, a, uh, an accurate job of that? And I realize this is an unknowable question, but you know, which feels which feels right to you? Um, the Blind Side, The Help, or Remember the Titans? it's hmm. an interesting... There's uh... so more multiple choice options for yeah, our
0: these answers. This, really, this really helps narrow it down for us. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: I haven't so seen
1: two of to... those three
0: films. Three, You've so. only seen remember the Titans. That's yeah, I mean. I've only seen remember the
4: Titans. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because uh,
1: because of how cool it was, and Trevor Rabin's uh, soundtrack is amazing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna defer to someone else if they have seen. The was it the, the help remember the, the, help, the Titans and what remember the Titans and also uh, the, the blind
0: side? Oh Jesus! Uh, I just say <laughs> remember. I just say remember the Titans in terms <laughs> of, kind of in terms of films that are you know produced by Hollywood and feet. Well, yeah, and even remember the Titans gets a plus because, it, I mean, yes, it's Denzel and it's a Hollywood movie and it's a Jerry Bruckheimer production, but at least it has Denzel as the lead character. It doesn't have kind of a white character being the catalyst for why things happen to the other black characters in the movie, which is kind of what the help is, where it's like, hey, look at Emma Stone. She's like, introducing you to this other stuff that's going on in the world. It's more of like Denzel Washington's black coach that comes in to an already hostile environment and things go on from there and through traditional sports movie route, but there's still... Other elements boiling underneath the surface that I think I enjoy in a movie that's you know ostensibly a PG family holiday. But was that a holiday or summer? I don't
1: know. If it, I, I think it was at least. I think, in I
0: think the you know fall. what I'm
1: saying. I think you know what I'm saying though. And yeah, so I, I'd go. And and it. that's my answer to you.
4: Good. That's an excellent answer.
0: <laughs> I love both of you. I looked up lists of films set in the sou- southern United States. And um, one of them is Too Fast, Too Furious, which humored me. <laughs> really? Yeah, because yeah, it's oh, in right. Miami. But it it's like I didn't. Uh, among all the other films that are on this list, like that's the one that
4: clearly stands out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, I got. I think I have the last question here. I think it's everyone else has too. Yeah. Um, and I can just open this up to everybody. Is there a film character that represents what you see as a hero? Yes. Thank you. In your eyes, like what <laughs> what, what 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 character in film like? your definition of a hero
1: obviously jim gordon there you go
4: oh you're a batman fan it's not a bad (laughs) answer
1: i am yeah but i mean come on not every hero has to wear a cape they could just be a person who puts a coat around a young boy he said it himself you're gonna make me cry (laughs) (laughs) well
4: i mean i think um you know hero is kind of loaded but i think in a classical kind of um as a trope. I don't know. I go to I go to John McClane. Oh. There you go. Yeah, I like that. Especially, you know, like, average everyday, you know, uh cop who like really has to save, you know, the day, if you will.
1: And he actually gets physically injured along the way and Right. Right, it, right, right. that that manifests itself
4: I want to feel more noble about a hero. I mean, I want to I you know, I, I one of my biggest the a, a nut that or thing that I just had to gnaw on and gnaw on over and over again behind Captain Phillips was the fact that the character that Tom Tom Hanks played is not a traditional hero. And uh, he was just doing his job. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know? And so for me that was a little that was a little bizarre. And then once I realized there are no heroes here, I mean, you know, the United States Navy or whatever, once I was able to turn that that expectation off, I was able to just settle in and enjoy a lot, enjoy the film that much more. Um, but I was struggling initially because I, when you put somebody like Tom Hanks in that role, you have an expectation of a level of hero, you know, heroism. And um when he's just this guy who is, you know, at the mercy of, you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, tell me again why I'm watching this. So then you start looking for significance elsewhere, and I found it. Um, But so I think that their hero can be loaded, but I want my heroes to um, save the day, if you will.
3: Hmm. I I have one that's a little bit more obscure, and it's not necessarily – it's just one movie – um, but it's not necessarily like a, uh, a series. It's, um, Jamie Foxx and Collateral. Ah. Uh. Cause you know, he, it's very unconventional in terms of him being hero, but he was definitely a hero by the end of the movie.
4: It's uh really interesting. I have uh, students that I, um, as one of their assignments, they have to write a paper about performance and mm-hmm. One of the films that is on the list that they can pick from is Collateral, and I and Tom Cruise is the one that I asked them to write about. Um, but invariably, they all kind of start le- le- leading towards talking about Jamie Fox, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and I guess it's just because his uh, his they they're over and over again in their papers. They kept talking about how Jamie that the, the Tom Cruise character was really just the catalyst for. Jamie Foxx, who eventually mer- emerges as a hero.
3: Exactly, that's and that's how I felt about it. Especially,
4: I remember there's this old assignment
3: that I had in undergrad where one of my teachers said, "Think of a movie or tell me a movie where a black character is a posit- positively heroic, from the, um, you know up until the end of the movie." And she would give you an A if you could say if you could come up with it. More than likely, it was often very difficult. For for people to come up with it, but I, you know, I, I always came up with collateral because I felt like that is a kind of a perfect like example of him saving the damsel in distress, him, you know, kind of coming into his own as a hero, and him kind of learning from this, you know, sociopath. I don't know. It just it felt like kind of a perfect example of that.
4: Well, you have you have pretty much uh, the same trajectory happening in Django Unchained and. Um...
0: That was gonna be my other one, but I decided for collateral. Say, uh, Will Smith, Men in Black, done. <laughs> That's
4: a good one. It's, it's a good cop,
0: good agent. Uh, oh, no,
4: I was gonna say Will Smith in uh, Independence Day. Most, yeah. Most,
0: most things Will Smith because he has to play up that positive image. So.
4: Big Willie. Yeah. Big Willie style. Nod your head. no, 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 no.
3: There
0: we go. But uh, <laughs> last, last thing on Collateral, uh, Michael Mann does a great commentary track on that movie, which, and he really delves into what he had in mind for each of the characters in that film, and it's very fascinating to listen to. Just Ooh. plug check in out. that one, yeah, it's a good one to check out. Cool. Um, okay, I think that's. I think we sufficiently set the tone for this podcast, and that's how you play, it, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> no, no, everybody. Yeah. So we're out now, quickies. T M. Each and out now, we talk about one main movie of the week. but We have lots of movies that we talk about. Because lots of movies we also see during the week, so that's why we have segment called Out Quickies. Jim, yeah. you know what? <laughs> I, we do this segment every week. I like it. I like trying to say the the the, uh, <laughs> the quick summation about Out no Quickies. Jim, yeah. <laughs> <I, I>, listeners, <laughs> if you want to submit your own like quick like take on Out no Quickies, like if if, yeah. if if you want to like have your own description play out on the show, send it in. We we'd love to get some. We'd love to get some like some pre-recorded Out No Quickies yeah. submissions and uh, play them on the show we'd be happy to do that Op- opening up the floor to to out no quickies tm submissions
3: <laughs> <laughs> what I, are you saying it, i out feel like i out need out to see tm now <laughs> after
4: every time you say out and out quickies, sees, TM.
0: it's, trademarks. it's trademark it, it's our trademark it's the one thing we own on this show <laughs> the, the out no quickies brand tm yeah <laughs> out and out quickies is out that what
4: out, you say
0: out, out now out. quickies tm yeah <laughs> <laughs> with that, so with that in mind, uh, Salim, have you seen any other movies this week?
3: Uh, this about? week, no. But I'll I'll just say, uh, Old Boy. I saw that last
0: week. All right. And yes,
3: that was a movie.
0: We, we were still <laughs> it, kind of hazy on the um, <laughs> when we can talk about that movie. I think so. We can, mm. I think we can leave it at that because I did the same thing last week. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that.
4: Uh, later, I uh yeah. I saw. Let's see. I saw Labor Day, starring Josh Brolin and um, Kate Winslet. And last night I went and saw. I was going to see a girlfriend and I. She, we just one needed to kind of decompress and we had neither of us of us had seen Gravity yet. I, and so we I went, thought you're
0: gonna say Bad Grandpa, but go
4: on. Well, <laughs> no, not too far. We uh, got to the theater and we were like, man, do are we really in the mood for Gravity? And we looked at the board and we said, look at that. The best man holiday. Let's go. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. That makes me laugh. <laughs> what, I heard that it
3: wasn't that, actually
4: that
0: bad. I'll yeah. talk about it in Bye, but go on, Leah. <laughs> I,
4: was, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I you know, I, I, I was like, look at this Malcolm Lee. Look at him doing the damn thing. So I was, uh, I was impressed. We laughed and we cried and you know, all the schmaltz and everything associated that goes along with it. So I had a good time with with, uh, The Best Man uh, Holiday. And as a matter of fact, what's really interesting to me about um, when you think about black films and kind of culturally the kind of work they do when we talk about movies and we read films, we talk about the kind of work they do, how they make meaning and culture is one of the ways, knowing culture is one of the ways in which we make meaning how they make sense to us. And I saw the. I also saw Black Nativity. Oh. months Ago, Jennifer Hudson has three films out this year. Um, Black Nativity, The Inevitable Inevitable Defeat of Mr. and Pete and Winnie, and I was blessed to be able to see all of them. Jesus, Joseph and Mary. This <laughs> is Mandela. I think that's what the subtitle is, right? <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is Mandela. Um. And uh, it's really interesting that you know, Black Nativity is got is uh, TDJ td jake's produced and it's full of kind of uh negro uplift and lots of old-timey religion um and it's it's the film that tyler perry wishes he could make but it's still nevertheless very dogmatic and it's you know go to church go to church you can you can solve all your problems in the world if you just go to church and you know um you know, but it's got this heavy message about family. Family is really important, and don't turn your back on family, and God brings and holds the family together, and blah, 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 blah. Then I see something like The, the Best Man Holiday, and they they infuse the film with all that same kind of family is important, and you got to have faith and stay strong in the face of challenges, and they do it very well. They yeah. do it very well. They don't hit you over the head with it. You you get they get underneath these characters you care you give a you know which is like <laughs> oh it's like at the top of my list of criteria do I give a about these characters or this situation so I I, I was pleasantly surprised by the uh, the best man holiday I also had a chance to see uh, saving Mr Banks so um, you know we'll we'll save that we'll save that for another time so we'll table that one
1: Abe. Uh, I saw Dallas Buyers Club oh, yeah? and uh yeah it was uh it's a good movie I th- I think that there are performances from Jared Leto that and, and M- McConaughey that really uh, uh really steal the show but yeah it's uh, something that's uh, kind of interesting to check out in preparation for my trip I managed to see pretty much everything that's
0: coming out in the next couple of weeks while I'll be away with the exception of Catching Fire cuz I want to wait and see that in IMAX um but uh I did see Best Man Holiday and I also liked it quite a bit. Um I think what I what I enjoy about it is how I think I as an adult kind of holiday comedy drama film, I think anybody could go and see it. That's of that crowd. It does not matter that it's a black comedy. I think it's just a, a good movie to watch. I think it um it it has just it do, it doesn't rely on like look at this black cast and how black they are <laughs> like it, it's it's just focused on telling telling a story regardless of race regardless of anything involved and that's something I really appreciated about it it has like some various jokes. like it has a has a couple jokes early on but beyond that it's just like this is just a fun movie to watch it's not like it's not gonna be a new classic but I thought it was very good and I think it has some. Dramatic beats that really, that really, it earns like it really, it really earns those well, and I was, I was surprised at how into it I was, and the audience as well. The audience was really into this movie.
3: It's, it's, it's actually really interesting because like, I feel like, I, I'm from, I haven't seen the movie, but it sounds similar to something like Think Like a Man. Yeah. In terms of, it's a, it's a romantic comedy of sorts, or it's a very, it's a genre film um, that is predominantly, it has, a, you know, a, a lot of uh, black um, actors in it, but it's not a black film and i think that's i feel like that's really important in terms of a trajectory of having a predominantly black cast yet it's not a quote unquote black movie and i'm glad to hear that there that there's another movie like that uh, you know after think like a man that's able to do that cuz i feel like that's the problem is that a lot of people have reticence in going to movies like this because they think they already know oh it's a black movie so it's going to have a certain kind of quality to it so i feel like it's good that there are movies like this that are being made and coming out
0: and there's a quality to it per se, just because you don't see these kind of comedies all the time. There's definitely a, regardless of like how much it addresses race there, there's definitely a certain attitude that comes with having a certain kind of cast as opposed to another kind of cast. And mm-hmm. you're very much familiar with seeing one kind of cast. And I mean, you're familiar with seeing kind of white romantic comedies. That's what I'm basically saying. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and it, it's, it's not that it's better or worse. It's just, you know, different and it's neat to kind of see that kind of movie and see, you know, also be handled well. And it, kind of fits back into the kind of late 90s early 2000s before tyler perry hit when you had best man the wood uh Del- like deliver us from eva uh waiting to exhale is an obvious one soul foods an obvious one barbershop like these movies that like were successful with what they're doing and didn- and maybe relied on a certain aesthetic to accomplish what they're trying to do but like they're, they're still just fun comedies so you
4: and know. see i would and it's a it's a because it's um I kind of liken it more to being more like a family melodrama yeah, because yeah. it's really it's, it's these couples and they're dealing with issues and everybody's crying and there's secrets that are you know awaiting to be uncovered. So there's this it's this family melodrama and it is replete with humor. There is so much comedy in it. It's R-rated, um, and I really I look see I look back to films like The Big Chill.
0: Yeah, there you go.
4: This is, I mean, this is, this is in there, whether people think it will have long legs, like something like the big chill or not, that's, that's remains to be seen, but you've got adults, as you say, Aaron, grappling with, uh, you know, finances and having babies and uh, falling in love and, and being able to run their businesses, dealing with grown up problems in this kind of contained environment. And it's, there are hilarious laugh out loud moments.
0: So that, I think we'll just table our our best man holiday <laughs> podcast.
4: <everybody. laughs>
0: but I do, but because it, I just I respect it so much and what it what it accomplished. And we'll get to box office later. But it made a good chunk of money this weekend, and I'm happy for it. And I'm oh, happy I'm to very it. happy to hear that. And like it's it's great that like yeah, black people want to see a movie with black people in it. That's wonderful. But I mean, it's also like a movie that just is a successful regardless. So other things I've seen Charlie Countryman. This is with Shia LaBeouf. Um, it's it's a mess. I didn't like this movie. Ah, but he, goes hey. to, he goes to Bucharest and has himself an action romance adventure. So there you go. Good job. Um, let's see. I saw Nebraska. This is the new Alexander oh. Payne film, which I liked quite a bit. I think um, to compare it to anything, it would, I would be, I'd say, about Schmidt, among other Alexander Payne films, is probably the most comparable to it. Um, but good performances. Uh, solid movie all around. I also Bruce
4: Stern. I need to see that movie because I, I, I'm like, Bruce Stern.
0: Yeah, he's very good at it. Um, I also said Dallas Buyers Club. I liked it too. I think the performances were quite strong. I'd include Gar- Jennifer Garner in that list as well. I think she did a good job. Mm. Um, I saw Disney's Frozen. Um, I don't think there's any embargo on this. I'm just going to say it's delightful. I really enjoyed Frozen. Um, there's Aww. there's some really good songs in there. There's one ballad that I really liked a lot. That's I I would not mind like hearing incessantly in Disneyland when I go. Um, but it's a it's a it's a fine Disney animated musical. I enjoyed it. And I'm gonna
1: try to pick it out when I see the movie. I'll be like, I think this is all Aaron's talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You'll, I think you'll know. Yeah. We're
1: frozen. Yeah, that's frozen, the, yeah. Yeah. We're I'll, all frozen.
0: That's the hook. Pharrell jumps in on that part. It's great. Blurred <laughs> <laughs> lines.
4: Um, Pharrell is all over Despicable Me, isn't he. Yeah.
0: Yes. My favorite he part of introduce. those movies, since I don't like those movies, but I like <laughs> the soundtracks. Um, and lastly, I saw Homefront, um, ah. which I can't talk about, but I'll say there was a large smile on my face after walking out of home front. So that's all I can say about that.
3: Ah, okay. Oh, so Sylvester Stallone,
0: um, he was able to write a special place in your heart with this movie, maybe? He, he wrote a
1: screenplay, and I walked out feeling fine. So what you're <laughs> saying is James Franco does full frontal, and you were, like, walking out with a smile on your face? Moving on. <laughs> that's, um... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're moving on from that. Okay, that's
0: how you do it out now, cookies. Damn. <laughs> Let's do a little trailer talk. This is such a great preamble to the main review of the show. By <laughs> the way, this is so long. <laughs> but I feel I like how we've sufficiently blacked it up for sure so far. So, <laughs> Completely. Let's do this. Okay, first up, we gotta um, talk about trailers. Use the new movie trailers that come out, and what we thought of them. Uh, first one we're gonna talk about is Labor Day, which I believe lay us up. But I think we'll just talk about the trailer for now and avoid other spoilery stuff. This is a new film from Jason Reitman, um, and yes, it stars Josh Brolin and Kate Winslet. Uh, Josh Brolin plays some kind of convict who's escaped, and he takes shelter with Kate, forcefully takes shelter with Kate Winslet's character. I'll just leave it at that. With that said, Salim, what did you think of the trailer for this film?
3: Uh, You know, it looks interesting. Josh Brolin playing Josh Brolin character, as always, which is, you know, it's not a bad thing. Uh, You know, rugged and rough, you know, but you're going to feel sympathy for him. Uh, I mean, like, I I enjoyed the preview, but I, I was trying hard not to think of a bunch of other movies that reminded me of this movie. Though I was looking forward to seeing it because I'm, I'm, you know, considering that, the, that it's Jason Reitman, I'm sure it's going to be really good, really good dialogue, really good character analysis, and really good details. Um, so yeah, it's it's just it, it's such an interesting title. Like as soon as I saw the title for the movie and didn't really read anything about it, I thought it was like another one of those. Uh, like, um, like Valentine's Gar- Gary Day. Marshall movies, exactly. I thought it was a Gary, a Gary Labor Day. and then I saw the preview, I was like, okay,
0: this is not a Gary Marshall movie, Gary Marshall's Labor Day, yeah, exactly. Where uh, Elizabeth Banks and Sarah Jessica Parker are all pregnant, and they well, we have birth uh, <laughs> on Labor Day.
3: There's 15 other people in that cast, though, yeah. <laughs> at least.
0: Yeah,
1: the tagline is don't wear white. exactly
0: yeah but no
3: it looks good i um i'm really i'm curious actually to see uh what it's what it's actually going to be about because it it looks very much on the surface from the preview but i'm imagining that it's
1: going to be a lot deeper than what, what the preview shows yep uh first things first i was very very intrigued by just uh kate winslet's handshaking i'm wondering if that's early onset uh parkinson's and i was thinking she should really get that checked out I, I was mostly worried about that during the entire trailer, uh, but the trailer looks really good. It looks interesting and kind of gives me some some vibes like what Selim said of some other films in terms of uh, you know convicts and perhaps things aren't as what they seem, especially in the in the eyes of young children. Um, but I'm interested to see what happens and what goes on because it seems like Kate Winslet is not all that she seems either. I'm not sure, so uh, I'm intrigued. I'm a I'm a Jason Wright fan. Um, I like
0: his movies. I'm interested in seeing this movie. Uh, I am weirded out by the fact that Josh Brolin seems to be in two movies about himself being imprisoned in a certain location for a certain amount of time. But beyond that, I'm just excited to see a new Jason Raymond movie. (laughs) Uh, Labor Day does not hit theaters on September 4th. It actually comes out January 31st (laughs) in wide release. I assume (laughs) it comes out in in, um, limited release in certain cities beforehand. But yeah, that's when that's coming out. Move on to our next trailer. Uh, Noah, this is the new Did film from... You to
4: comment on the trailer? Well, you saw the movie already,
0: yeah. Do you have specific thoughts on the trailer?
4: I, uh, I'll just... I, I won't say a thing. Okay. I, think, I, well, I think it does remind you of... I think the, the trailer does a good job of reminding you of other films that have uh, a similar kind of tone. Um, having seen it, I kept thinking of films like um, A Perfect World... And it's mm-hmm. um, it
1: called Perfect World. That's yeah, that is a good call. It's the Clint Eastwood director. That's with Kevin the Kevin Costner movie? Kevin Costner, yeah.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, actually, I thought, you know, when you think about a stranger who comes into the life of someone and changes it or whatever. Shape
1: pax you know,
4: <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought of Looper,
3: like the second half of Looper. Oh,
4: yeah. I, I actually thought of Bridges of Madison County also. Both another yeah, Clint Eastwood. The Eastwood kick here. Um. So, but um. You know, Josh Brolin is the man. All right. Yeah.
0: You, you heard it here first. Lee Aldrich Josh
4: Aldridge Brolin
0: say, is the man. Uh, Josh Brolin's the man, and Lee Aldridge says Jason Reitman's the next Clint Eastwood. I got that. Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, I
4: did say that.
0: Move, moving on. Uh, the next chair we're going to talk about is Noah. This is the new film from Darren Aronofsky. Um, it stars Russell Crowe as Noah, the biblical character, who, if you don't know the story of Noah, it, he um, is going to have to build a giant ark, get in all the animals, protect his family from a giant flood that's happening. Good. It's an epic. I've actually seen this movie, so <laughs> I have to take a bow out of this one. You've already seen it? <laughs> yes, I have. Jeez, that's but, uh, crazy. Where did you download that? I, I can't talk about <laughs> things about it, but I'll, I'll, I'll have some words. But let's, let's move on. Abe, what do you think of the trailer?
1: Uh, it certainly reminded me a lot of Take Shelter as well, and um, but it looks very serious, very dark, very, what I call it? Everything else. But Jennifer Connelly, dude, does she not age or something? She looks incredible in this film. Uh, she still looks like she's like twenty seven.
0: She's a goddess. That's, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's that's just truth. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, it's gonna take some routes that I was not aware of, considering that it's uh, directed by Darren Aronofsky and. Uh, I just can't wait to see how it compares against uh, Hi. uh Evan Almighty. <laughs> Evan
0: Almighty. <laughs> we'll have to see. The the be all end all of flood movies Evan Almighty. <laughs> uh Celine?
3: Uh so Noah, I actually thought it was uh... It, it was it was very epic, extremely epic in terms of uh the scale of it and uh it's interesting to see um uh Darren Aronofsky with such a big budget. It does make me think of what could have been with the Wolverine. Um, but, you know, it's okay. I'm not going to dwell on that. And uh, I'm glad to see that he actually uh, wrote the script as well. Um, so I don't know. I think I think it could be really interesting. Uh, I really want to see – Is it? I, couldn't, I don't remember. Is it PG-13 or Rated R? It'll be PG-13. PG-13. Okay. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see a, a big-budget PG-13 Darren Aronofsky movie because he's going to have to hold back a little bit. So I want to know where he's going to be able to kind of, uh, put, you know, put in where he had to pull back. So we'll see. Clear?
4: You know, I, uh, it's amazing how much the film looks like our other versions of what a post-apocalyptic future would look like. You yep. know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so I think of water worlds. I think of, uh, the book of Eli, um, And this is actually back, you know, two thousand years or so, right? Um, It's you know, it looks epic. It looks you know, kind of rigorous. It's got big names: Anthony Hopkins, Russell Crowe, Jennifer Connelly. Uh, It's got Darren Aronofsky, who is you know, who's got a he's got a little edge to him. Uh, So I I, you know, it looks and it looks like it's going to be quite the spectacle. So if nothing else, I think seeing. Russell Crowe doing the spectacular is something that has worked for him before in the past. Uh, and uh, looks compelling. I feel like I. Uh, but we already know how it ends, right? <laughs>
1: I think that he learns his lesson and the whale kind of spits him out, right?
0: <laughs> oh, all, all the animals hold hands and. <laughs> Sing kumbaya. Sing kumbaya. Yeah. I, I will say about this trailer that it's certainly. It, it forwards the, the epic notion of it. It looks like a very large-scale film that really is conveyed in this trailer. And the only other thing I will say is that there is a an, an interesting element that's left out of the trailers that makes sense to me. But it's like both something very Aronofsky, but also something that's unlike things that you've seen Darren Aronofsky attempt in film before based on the increased scale of this film versus his other works. March 28, 2014, Noah hits. I assume, and I think it's an IMAX, too, actually, which would probably be pretty cool to see. It's pretty epic. Yeah, But, um, yeah, all right. We've done it, guys. We've got through the early parts of this show. <laughs> now <laughs> we can get to our main review for the film, 12 Years a Slave.
2: My name is Solomon Northup. I'm a free man, and you have no right whatsoever to detain me. You're no free man. You're nothing but a Georgia runaway
1: went down to the river jordan
2: and that servant that don't obey his lord shall be beaten with many stripes that's scripture
1: the condition of your laborers. it's all wrong they my property you say that with pride i say it as fact speak man does how he pleases with his property
2: so you come here Arthur, i say come here days ago i was with my family
3: in my home now you tell me all that. If you want to survive, do and say as little as possible. But
2: I don't want to survive. I want to live.
0: That should have been some of the trailer for 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave is the latest film from the director Steve McQueen, who has brought us his very deliberate style to a period drama adapted from a true story based on the memoir from Solomon Northrop, a free man who was kidnapped and placed into slavery for a lengthy period of time. I'm not sure how long exactly, if only there was a way to find out. <laughs> anyway, the film charts the journey of Solomon and what he goes through in his ordeals. Leah, were you familiar with this story and how did you respond to the adaptation if you were?
4: Uh I was only vaguely familiar with the occurrence um through my academic pursuits. Uh so I but I I uh but that's it. I hadn't read the memoir. I just knew about this um phenomenon where people would be captured and uh, people who were free and in the north uh, who would be captured and then uh, made, into, made into slaves. Um, so uh, it was, I think it was um, really educational seeing this film in a number of ways. I think it's something that, um, I think at, at a minimum, I, I, just, I think it's something that everybody should see. I think it's a film that everybody should see. Now, having said that, I'm not saying it's a great film. I'm just saying I think it's something everybody should see. Um, I think that there are a number of reasons why we, we go to movies, and obviously to be entertained and to be wowed uh, is uh, a, a primary one. But if you know, sometimes you might sit back and you might actually become edified in some sense. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, this movie is definitely well worth the viewing. Celine, your thoughts on the film?
3: uh okay yeah i am i was i was uh i have been um familiar with the book um uh my uh my father's uh african studies um uh professor so i actually took his class when i was an undergrad and this was one of the uh narr- this is one of the books that you had to or, uh to she had choose to read a book so i chose to read this and so um I, w- I was familiar with it and it was it was interesting because of how well or how um how uh uh honest to the book it was um, and it was, it was, you know, like a lot of people are talking about the brutality of the movie. It's actually a lot more brutal in the book. Um, so I, I was really, I don't know, I was really appreciative of just a lot of the film. I agree with Leah. Like, I feel like everybody should see this movie. It's a very important movie. That's not to say that it was a perfect film. I did have my issues with it, but I think that because of, you know, because of how intense it is and because of how visceral a lot of the interactions are, I feel like, that is the reason why people need to watch it. Oftentimes with slavery and slave movies or just the conversation of it, people want to shy away from it, people want to cover their face or cover their eyes but this movie is really saying like no you have to look at it even even when you're, you don't want to look at it anymore you still have to and, because that's how it was and you know on the second viewing I really saw that because the first time I saw it I thought it was a little bit maybe too gratuitous with a lot of the violence but after watching it a second time it was all Necessary um, for the film, and um, I, I and I really liked how beautiful the film looked. It, I thought it was cinemat- the cinematography was amazing, and I thought it was completely necessary to juxtapose the the more darker elements of the film. And I thought the acting was incredible. I mean, I think everybody's really going to be talking about Chiwetel. I mean, as they should because he's incredible. Like he really, I'm just really happy to see him finally be able to have a role that he could kind of just knock out the park. But I, again, after seeing it the second time, Michael Fassbender is really what kind of I'm uh, I'm, I'm kind of left thinking about. Um, I thought he had one of the one of his one of the best performances of his career with this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I you know we'll go into more detail about historically just some of the things that I thought were good or, or bad about it. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a very important movie. Abe. Yep.
1: I don't think there's going to be that much of a disagreement. I'm pretty much on board with what Leah and Salim had said, too. I do think it's, a, it's an important film. Um, I certainly thought that, uh, aside from the physical terror uh, of uh, plantation owners in the South, that the psychological terror was what really bothered me a lot about this film. Um, and it kind of had me thinking about how much they uh, folks had to go through um, just waking up at in odd hours of the time just because someone told you to just to to go dance and to to be I guess uh, a victim of you know endless uh, uh, I guess physical harm just people just throwing stuff at you all the time and it's ridiculous um, so I I was often angered at this film as well and I thought that it was um, uh, something that I don't know I mean I I don't really know about the the historical significance in terms of. Um, you know the the actual uh, book that it's based off of. I, I didn't read it. I wasn't aware. I, I was only aware that I think PBS had made something similar to it, um, perhaps by the same name with uh, Avery Brooks. Um, yeah, right. but
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: um, yeah. I, I certainly thought that the direction was fantastic in this film, just because of the deliberate pacing in some of the scenes. And um, I mean, one of the scenes that I'm thinking of is just when Chuchotel is just hanging out by a tree yeah. and You just slowly see everyone kind of moving around in the background, and it just seems like forever. Um, His direction is also great. Uh, You know, Steve McQueen, I I like his style just in terms of how he focuses on folks close up and asks them to emote with their facial expressions uh, without having to say anything at all. And I I found that to be the case in Shame as well as uh, in 12 Years a Slave. So, I mean, kudos to the actors, but also very much kudos to the, uh, the director, Um, for taking on this project of uh, large significance
0: that's kind of my best way of approaching how to talk about this movie because i do think the filmmaking's pretty fantastic here i think that there's some minor issues that i'll get to uh, which like keep it just from going like over the top but i admire so much about this movie and what it's doing and agree that yeah it should be seen by by all it's just it's a it's a movie that you 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 certainly go out and check out because it feels like an important movie and it's from a filmmaking standpoint yeah the movie's it's beautiful to look at even in like it's harshest moments where you have these kind of very very long long takes in certain sequences that there's scenes that have this have like violence for sure but it's 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 the way it's it's like put in your face and allow it makes you kind of it forces you to kind of accept that, but also the way it's framed, the way there's these different shots that show you everything else that's going on in the frame. It's just like all these different things add up to this movie that really makes you kind of consider what's going on after the fact. Like I could say that after watching this movie the first time, and I really wanted to see this movie a second time, uh, but I didn't get a chance to. I will eventually, but just not in time for this podcast. But uh, it, walking away from it the first time, I really wanted to just kind of dwell on it, and I don't like have that very often. It really, really kind of hit me watching it throughout. But yeah, with that being said, I mean, performance-wise, this movie is pretty fantastic all around. I mean, Chiu Tai Four is great. Michael Fassbender pretty much gets the benefit of the doubt for me at this point, so it's like not like much of a surprise for me to say that I love Michael Fassbender in this movie. I'll shout out Lupita Duongo, who mm. plays Pat. Yeah, she's amazing. One of the main. Yeah, and she's uh, kind of this is basically your new your breakout film role here, and I would not be surprised she gets a supporting actress nomination. But um, she she's excellent as this kind of this slave who's just forced to go through hell because Michael Fassbender's character Epps, who's a legendary slave owner, uh, plantation owner. He, he has this just fascination with her and the way, which, which also aids Fassbender's character and just the way he's, you see how conflicted he is in his own eyes and how like, he's a horrible person, but like there's things going on clearly in his mind based on this, this other character that PETA plays. And it's just, it's, these things just add, like, along with the story of Solomon. There's just these other characters you meet along the way that are just, it's, 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 it's just, it's just really, it's just a really solid film with so much to consider as a
1: whole. Yeah, and certainly the, you know, I felt pretty bad for the guy, just considering that he, he, there probably were some jams that he could have gotten out of if someone had spoken about it. I felt really bad for him, just in the when they get down to i forget where they're going south carolina or louisiana i'm sorry louisiana, louisiana. Yeah. and uh another person's owner comes out and says like hey that that's my guy there and like dude what about me tell about me and it's like <laughs> nope just not gonna say anything you're just sol and this is the guy that was telling him hey look it's better for you not to say anything and i was like man you just kind of took a big out on him but
0: even earlier on where they're like trying to plan an escape and that just immediately like backfires and it's like well there goes that like it's yeah. and, and
3: I and I think that's that is a really important part of the film and of Solomon Northup's journey because like usually in movies we know about the arc of a character he starts off somewhere and then he ends up you know at another place at the end of the movie so it's all pretty archetypical for you know in terms of story arc and, and um, structure but I feel like in this it was his the, the whole idea of the arc was so important to the film. Because he goes from, like, you know, being Solomon the this exceptional person, you know, this person who, you know, feels like he doesn't belong at being a slave. And as such, you know, when he's on the boat, he's like, I don't, you know, this isn't where I belong. But the guy's like, you know, keep your mouth shut. You know, don't tell people that you, that you read and write. So it's really about his journey, you know, and this is something that I kind of learned when I um, learned back in undergrad. Nobody is a slave. You kind of learn to become a slave you learn to become an enslaved person and that's kind of what happened with solomon's character is his learning or conditioning into becoming an enslaved person and how over time he had to become this person um in order to survive because that's what the most important part of the movie for him
1: was his survival mm-hmm. and one of the things i want to bring up too is just that uh solomon is he's got an interesting mindset from the early on where he's a freed uh uh, black man, and then he kind of goes down to the, the south to be indentured. And there's a part where he's talking to another person and or another slave, and he's essentially just saying like, "Hey, look, you know what? The guy likes me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it out of here." And the the person he's talking to is like, "Don't you just get it? You're just a prized pig. The guy doesn't care about you." And that kind of hit me. It's just like, dude, it's very difficult to understand, but at the same time, it's just there are just because he he is a nice plantation owner and he kind of gives you gifts, it doesn't mean that he's going to let you free. I mean, this guy has a business to run and he also has a particular mindset that is not agreeable. Um, And I just felt that it was just very, uh, the the certain aspects of the writing kind of made it clear that it was uh, something that they had taken some time to craft out.
2: Do I upset the master and the mistress? Do you care less about my loss than, than their well-being. Master Ford is a decent man. He is a slaver.
4: Under the circumstances.
2: Under the circumstances, he's a slaver. But you truckle at his boot. No. You luxuriate in his favor. I survive. I will not
4: fall into despair. I will offer up my talents to Master Ford. I will keep myself hardy till freedom is opportunity. Oh, Ford is your opportunity. You think he
2: does not know that you are more than you suggest? But he does nothing for you. Nothing. You are no better than prized livestock. Call for him. Call, tell him of your previous circumstances and see what it earns you, Solomon.
1: Another aspect of the writing was just that a lot of the slave guys, they are very well-spoken. They are, they, they do think deeply about these things and they, they have, um, they don't speak in broken English per se. So I appreciated that a lot about the film too. Um, just kind of giving these uh, these slaves, I guess, um, a sense of, I guess, being more than just a slave. They they are actual human beings that were just in a particular situation that I don't agree with.
0: It's amazing how the film throws hypocrisy in the audience's face, where you see certain slave. You see Benedict Cumberbatch's character who plays a slave owner who, you can clearly see like, he's challenged by the cruelty going on but he's not above it either because he does have slaves and he is purchasing these people and he does do act he does take action in the in these scenarios but like you so you get a sense that he's in a certain part of his heart he he can think of him as a kind person but then you also just you can't you can't accept that as a whole and it's the way the film messes with you essentially <laughs> and, like letting, allowing you to see kind of this stage of humanity which you know is real it's not like this is being made up it's, I mean it's made up for the film but it's not like this is like something new it's something that happened and it's presenting you with that challenge of accepting certain people and right. like the kind of things that they had to <laughs> that they exhibited in other people it's, it's yeah it's neat
1: on a, on a more on a lighter note if you've ever hated Paul Dano and you thought that he looks slimy in every movie that he is in because he does look very, very sweaty in every role. Um, <laughs> you'll be, you'll be more than happy to see him get his ass beat in this movie. And I was just like, yes, thank you, thank you. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. And I was also happy to see him. Like I was kind of sad in Looper because he kind of was a nobody, but in this one I was like, yes, please, somebody just kick this guy's ass because he is. He's the biggest piece of turd.
0: I mean, you, you, we know that I'm not a huge fan of Paul Dano on film. Neither, neither so, am I. So like, see these kind of the, the roles, he's the roles he's taken really recently, which allow him to be kind of this guy that you don't want to, don't want to really care about that much. And the fact that he gets kind of comeuppance for these types of character, like it, it doesn't bother me <laughs> at all.
3: <laughs> I, I actually liked Paul Dano's character. I mean, not his character. I just liked him. I, I, I like that he throws himself into these kind of weird, um, uh, roles, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that what's interesting is a little bit of background about his character Tibbets because they didn't really they kind of glazed over this a little bit. Uh, but like,
0: um, or the book goes into him a lot more.
3: Yeah, and and this is something that I kind of wish they would have talked about, but I think it would have taken too much time. So what happened with Tibbets is that he actually owned Solomon because what happened is, oh. is, yeah, Ford actually sold Solomon to Tibbets because Sol, um, Ford needed uh, couldn't pay Tibbets because he started taking on his brother's uh, debt. And so in order to pay Tibbetts, you know, as a carpenter, he basically sold Solomon to him. So they kind of co-owned Solomon. So that's why he basically was like, you haven't paid all the money to be able to own Solomon full right. So that's why you I can't see. kill him. He's not yours yet, pretty much.
4: Leah, any, uh... Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, um... I, you know, this film didn't hit me in a visceral way, the way it has impacted so many others. And I, I have this resistance to excess. And so when I see things that are done to excess, I, uh, I tend to um, kind of lean back uh, and, and give myself a, a little bit of distance. And so that's just me. So it didn't, it didn't hit me. That doesn't mean that there isn't plenty there to uh, punch you in the gut, so to speak. Um, but I, you know, in looking across my complaint with, um, Steve McQueen, having said that about the excess, my complaint with Steve McQueen in looking at, you know, his body of work, his background, he comes, he comes to filmmaking after having worked as an, as an artist. Uh, and I want to say a visual artist and I don't know if that's painting or sculpting, but you know, he was an artist and so I find his films to be um, very concerned with the surface of things, uh, mm. the way they look, which is a good thing because it's a visual medium, obviously. Uh, but but sometimes what that means is that when he goes for, when he goes for the emotion, I know I'm going to be unpopular here, but when he goes for the emotional connection, it's it seems to be. Um, uh, area of melodrama. So it's like, what is it, what is it that's going to make you feel on the surface? What's going to, you know, make your skin crawl. What's going to, you know, make you like nails on a chalkboard. What are those kinds of things that are going to get a physical reaction from you? Um, I felt the same way with some of his choices in, uh, shame and I felt the same way with some of his faces with hunger. And so I'm, I'm noticing now that there's a, uh, a, a reluctance or maybe just not any interest really in going below the surface of a lot of things. For example, um, Solomon Northrop's character. I really, I walked away from the film, not, I felt more like a tourist. Mm-hmm. I felt like a tourist and I felt like Solomon was my tour Uh, as opposed to what Solomon, want to do with his life? What were his dreams that got mm. as a result of being held in captivity for how many years? Have we figured out how many years has been yet? <laughs> <laughs> so he like just
3: has, he like, just he has gray hair all of a sudden. That Seventy-two would, you know, and a half. half. It's
4: somewhere between ten and fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> well, twelve. Is um. <laughs> so I, felt, you know, I I I wanted to know more more about the character. I really Patsy is the character that i felt the most uh, connected to and she had a couple monologues i mean she had that really she had that really powerful monologue when she came to him you know and there's they're framed at night time and she makes that request of of solomon um, and then also when after solomon you know all that stuff gets worked out for him and patsy comes running out uh and then watching what happens with patsy with um fassbender's character and so on she's the one that i felt um the most fearful for actually she's the one that i felt the most uh with the most kind of emotional concern for Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. but
4: you know you see that there are these moments where he's learning how to be a slave where when his 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 spirit is finally broken when they're singing the gospel that, that 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 spiritual around that burial site you know like okay this is it this is when he you know the he, he gives up the ghost, so to speak. Um, but, you know, by and large, I really felt like I felt I felt a little bit like a tourist. And please don't think that I'm being cavalier or 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 aloof about it. You know, it's being a tourist in a it, there was no pleasure in it. But I felt like I was being guided through um, kind of. Yes, this is what it was like on this connotation and now here's what it's like on this plantation and we had these kinds of plantation owners and we had those kinds of plantation owners and I didn't really I felt like I I, I really wanted more about uh, the Northrop character mm-hmm. I think that for me two of the most um, compelling elements about this film because we've seen other slave movies we've seen brutality before
2: mm-hmm. right yeah. so
4: whenever you want to do a film that's in a well-trafficked area, you're like, okay, what am I adding new to the conversation? Um, and so we've seen that brutality, brutality before, re- you know, realized cinematically. Um, so for me, I'm like, okay, well, what's new? What am I seeing that I haven't seen before? And for me, one of the one of the most important things that came out of this film that was done um, subtly was the complicity and the role of white women in the slave industry, the slave trade, um, you know, you there in previous depictions and other films, you know, white women were always just kind of like at the mercy of the, of the, of the slave master almost as much as the slaves. And you, this is the first time I've seen a film where it's really clear that the white women had just as much interest and investment and benefited as much from that industry. That economic system um as did the men where are you from platt i told you tell me again
2: washington who were your master master name of freeman was he a learned man i suppose so he learned you to read a word here or there but i've no understanding of the written text. Well, don't trouble yourself with it same as the rest master
4: bought you here to work that's all anymore I'll earn you a hundred lashes and I think that that's that's a really that's a really important element that I'm hoping people will pick up on um, especially you know that that's that's one one of the main things and the other the other thing that I felt like was really really new to the conversation was pretty much every social that affects black people in America today you can find the seeds for in that film everything from you know lack of unity in the black community to uh, <clears throat> um, um, the, you know, the condition of the of the black family to all of that you, you see it you see the seeds for all of it planted there in that film and I think historically that's really important especially as we live today in a society that wants desperately to erase our history. Um, It wants to find ways of making individuals responsible for their own plight, if you will, rather than look at the social, larger social conditions that impact people's choices. And 12 Years a Slave does a really good job of, of kind of like, see, well, here you go. This is why the black family, one of the reasons why the black family is in the condition that it is today be damned what Moynihan's report said um i i think that well i'll stop there yeah you know you know what's
3: interesting about that is that um because i i I agree with you that it, it really um it does uh kind of pinpoint a lot of what's going on in in our society today but the one thing that i think it didn't do which i think is very historical is even though, you know, black families and, and, and black communities are very disjointed, like in, in, in terms of the, in terms of slave times, that it, it wasn't necessarily the case. A lot of the times, you, yeah, your immediate family was kind of not away from you, but a lot of times the slave communities banded together um, and they kind of created new families. And that's the one thing that I felt like was missing, where Solomon just kind of felt like he was singular in the entire movie up until the point that he had that song you near know, the end of the movie. And I thought that it was like you said, and that's why he, he, it felt like a tour guide because it was just him going through these instances and not really creating a community or creating other people that he could really kind of talk to and be around. Um, there are instances of it with Lupita, but for, for more often than not, people were talking to him. He was rarely talking to people unless it was people he thought that could help him get out of the situation that he was in.
0: I think that reflects how he was trying to handle the situation as well. Like they they've, they've- and it's a stat like early on when he's first captured, like Paul, Paul Giamatti comes out, like they take away his name. And, yeah, like they take. And I mean, that's it. They're taking. Away, they're taking away his livelihood at that point. He's he's been stripped of his own identity. And there's there's I guess there there are ways that this movie could have handled it differently. And if you wanted to really open up who Solomon was, where he came from, what he wanted to do, and that's not a bad. I, that's not a you know would be a bad decision necessarily. But the way this movie handles it, I mean, I think it it it's focused on him. Not necessarily earning back his identity, but it's, it's it's him in this position and you following this character as he deals with himself being stuck in this position and yeah he does he does have other people come to him and tell him about him and it does it allows him to be the one that opens up this world to the viewers of the film to whatever else is going on with these other plantations these plantation owners and whatnot and it if that, if that, I guess, hinders an experience of watching this film because you couldn't see more of this character in a different light, then that's one thing. But, I mean, I, I feel like I got enough bec- from the Solomon character just because of the way that McQueen and Adjiofor chose to have this character come out, I guess.
4: Well, I mean, if there's a different there's a, there's a style of filmmaking um, where the film functions in such a way that... Well, the, the function of the film of the film is intended to create for the audience a similar experience as to what the characters within the film are.
0: Experiencing. Yeah, like an audience surrogate. You know,
4: right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what he was. Yeah. There is something to be said for that being a particular style of filmmaking. Hmm. I'm not sure that that's the filmmaker's intent here. I don't know. I can't guess. But I, I, I feel like based on looking at um, McQueen's previous work, I find that there's a consistency with a continuity with the way in which kind of main characters are presented in that way, and that's fine. I just I'm just saying that I, I, I always find myself asking the question, why this person's story? Fair enough, yeah. You know, if, if, if there were a whole bunch of people, <laughs> right? Now, by the way, I found the ending very mysterious, but let's get back to that in a minute. I, I my, my biggest fascination with this film, however, before having seen it, was how would um, someone from across the pond tell this story. Um,
0: That's you know, I agree. Actually, that was something I was curious about as well.
4: You know, it's like I, we Hollywood doesn't have a problem appropriating other people's cultures and saying we're gonna tell y'all story. We're gonna tell the last sam- samurai. or we gonna tell that. <laughs> both of them, which cruising and I didn't mean to do that, but you know, it's like I'm like I, I used to say, man, I can't wait to see like you know some Russian filmmaker who decides they're gonna tell the story of the of the Civil War. <laughs> Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> That'd be interesting. What of our historical cultural experience is going to be, right? And so here we have, you know, Steve McCool-ing, um, you know, a story about uh, American slave trade, about, you know, the slave industry. And, it, and I think that there is a I, – I think that you can notice a certain kind of across-the-pond um, pers- perspective of what went on here. Now, none of us were there, so none of us can say – what is factual not that not that that really even matters in this case um but i i do i do appreciate his uh his uh his eye his take on it
0: i have a question Mm -hmm. um it's about patsy and this is i mean it's a mild split it doesn't really matter the scheme of things in terms of spoilers but so patsy's character she along with being you know she's a she's a small she's she's a small woman she's a small woman she's a slave she's caught Michael Fassbender's eye, but she's also she, what we're told is that she's proven herself in the field of cotton picking where she's picking like hundreds of pounds a day five
1: hundred pounds five hundred compared pounds to everybody time.
0: else something that I was expecting but never got, but i have a, this is where my question is Do you think Solomon was secretly helping her because they I, now because now I ask this because it seems like Solomon was very much in control of like how well good of a worker he was yet he yeah. was always he was consistently getting berated for not, for picking like only like less than 100 pounds a day compared to everybody else where it seems like he'd be able to do the work that's required
1: of him but i it... want to say no
3: well, yeah i think no as well mainly yeah. because, because uh
2: yeah patsy
1: has an emotional outburst and she kind of uh just kind of just brings that point up too which is hey look i'm i'm doing all this for you and i got 500 pounds each day and yeah and i thought of that too and soap. it seemed...
0: I thought of that too, and it seems like she could have been saying that in the in the in the realm in the of keeping. Well, no, in the realm of keeping that lie alive, and, like and promoting was, that fact about herself.
3: Well, she was also getting five hundred pounds before Solomon was there.
0: Was she? Uh, I, I, mean, I don't know that. Yeah, exactly. well, that I mean, they, like, I guess on that made it right?
3: seem like you know this was a consistent thing that she was doing, uh, um, that she was consistently you know doing these numbers, and I think that especially, I think that was a moment of emasculation of the black male. Um, the fact that this small petite woman was able to outpick all these black men. Um, Yeah, that's
0: that's kind of... Because I keep facing off against myself on this argument because it just seems Mm -hmm. like... But it just seems so weird that Solomon's not able to do this activity even though he's able to do everything else pretty much superior to everybody. And I thought he could have been possibly saving Patsy from getting whippings because that's the result of not doing performing as well as you could. I think
3: the idea of cotton picking versus engineering is that it's it's a it's a um it's a a, a experience thing you know it shows that she's been doing this for a while and Solomon is just coming into it and you know this is not something he's been doing since he was a child uh so I think that it also kind of um reveals that a little bit yeah
4: that's fair I think that you know he's um a little bit above this Mm -hmm. you know they there are there are glimpses or moments that are nuanced in there where you see black people having their class strata among the blacks as right. well, and so you know you got Alfred Woodard's character, um, you have Solomon who was a free free man from the north. It's not like the free black folks in the north didn't know slavery was still happening in the south, right? So there's there are these so I think that he thought that a lot of it seems to me what seems logical is that picking cotton was a little bit um, was clearly below him, and he just didn't he just wasn't used to grinding like that you know
0: <laughs>
4: mm-hmm. I'm from the north we don't grind like this up there that's fair yeah I'm an artist I'm a musician. what are you talking about
1: I want to I think like, uh, like that goes to Salim's point too which is just you know. I mean, maybe it was beneath him and you know he he uses his mind more than his uh his hands and perhaps that's why he was a better engineer and perhaps that's why he he's a damn good carpenter as well. Yeah, he's a very good carpenter. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, well, carpenter's yeah, everything, everything is worse Yeah, I I know. Uh, But um yeah, I mean, I don't really know. Uh but I, I I was thinking about what uh Leah had said and I do agree that is it's largely kind of a we're we're kind of sort of just glancing uh, tip of the iceberg versus uh, the actual thing in terms of uh, Solomon's character. And I, I never really thought about that actually that much. And I kind of just more so thought about, uh, again, the 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 dif- difficulties in terms of the, the mental anguish that, that a lot of slaves had to go through. And that's something I had never really seen represented too, too well, um, which is just, uh, you know, you've heard of all the whippings, you've seen the photos and everything else. And it, don't be, uh, don't be a, uh, fool that there is a very uh, graphic whipping scene in this film as well but couple couple yeah it's very true um but again it's just the way that they were mistreated very very much like systematically and also like basically by by crazy people and you would think that that there was some sort of common decency but obviously there wasn't Uh, one of the thing's yeah go ahead. If I had to break it down really bluntly though, I mean it's it's called 12 Years a Slave.
0: It's a memoir about his time as a slave. It's not called Solomon Northrop. I mean, it... True. It, <laughs> and I mean
3: and, uh, and honestly as well.
1: Yeah, I I'm, I'm just saying that that's a that's an interesting point to bring up and I hadn't thought about it. So it's a different perspective. Um and you know uh, just to get back into some of the the uh the technical things of of uh, the film. Just the acting in itself uh Michael Fassbender is very scary, but there's there's a there's two scenes I want to point out. One scene is where he has this very Detailed conversation with the uh, Chihuahua in the dark, and that one scared the hell out of me because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Just because the person, the uh, the the plantation owner himself is is already a, a little bit of a loose screw, um, and one of the lines that really disturbed me about that was just when he's walking away in the dark and you see the the light going away. Just if he wasn't free and white, and I was like, damn, that sucks. Um, and the other one is where Chihuahua Edgy just kind of just stares at the screen for like forty seconds. And I was very scared at that moment just because I wasn't sure what was going to happen in terms of maybe he's going to get his head chopped off or whatever else. And uh, it it kind of uh, it kind of bugged me out when he actually looked directly into the lens um, rather than just looking afar uh, into the fields and whatever else. So there's some great scenes of.
0: People knowing that Solomon is clearly a smarter person than he is trying to let on and having very tricky conversations around those subjects and like mm-hmm. one there's one with um, the wife sarah paulson 's character that works really well there's other scenes just like that throughout that I just really admired in terms of the the kind of the crafting of the screenplay and how they worked around those things mm-hmm.
3: one thing that's really interesting about um Kind of just the brutality of it, of it all, and something that you know i, I that I kind of thought about is you know like beatings and everything it was they actually i mean beatings were were very common, but it was actually the threat and the fear of that of of those of said beatings that were actually used more than the actual beatings and i and I thought that it would have been interesting if it was. Because obviously, I think the perspective that he was going for, especially because of Steve McQueen, is to kind of really show the visceralness of it. But I think it would have been really interesting if, if it would have kind of, like you said, the whole psychological part of it, if that would have been kind of a, um, a part to kind of introduce into it is the, the fear of it rather than the actual doing okay.
0: of it. I want to get to some things that I didn't like about the film okay. um, just before we wrap up here because we've gone pretty long on it. Um, and there's, just, there's a few, but one of them, I think the acting of this film is pretty tremendous. With that said. Brad Pitt really stuck out to me
2: and i I'm, I'm normally <laughs> like a, him
0: either <laughs> I'm normally a person that really tried that sticks up for Brad Pitt I think he is a very good actor in movies, but for what for whatever reason everyone else in this film felt like fine, and then Brad Pitt showed up, and I couldn't get away from the fact that it just feels like Brad Pitt doing an accent in this movie all of a sudden
3: yeah i i, um, I, <laughs> I, I it's weird like the second time around watching it, it it did stick out a lot more just because like his Yeah, like at first I I really wanted to defend him, you know, considering that you know he helped get this movie made, like he put up the dough for it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you putting up the money, you can, you know, pretty much have whatever role you want. Um, but yeah, it 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 does take away from an otherwise, you know, kind of seamless in terms of people kind of falling into their characters. Hey, he, he doesn't.
0: It, yeah, it just it's not that like he's bad in the performance he's given. Yeah. It just feels like yeah. it's at odds with the movie I'm seeing. I agree. And, like, I, and I don't know if that comes from, well, everyone else is just kind of a character actor in this movie, and then you have A-list star Brad Pitt in a small cameo role. I don't know if that's inherently why I can't accept that, but I mean, there's just something about it that stuck out to me. Like, Paul Giamatti shows up,
2: that's and- exactly.
0: And Paul Giamatti's great in this movie. He, feel, he feels like he's just a guy that's in this world. It doesn't feel like Paul Giamatti's in this movie. It feels like there's this horrible person that's involved. Yeah, slave in this...
1: owner Giamatti. Who's, who's, Add him who's, to our, our faces at Giamatti.
0: Who's, yeah, who's was involved in, like, one of the greatest scenes of this movie where it's just this giant, long take that moves in and out of different rooms. There's all kinds of activity going on. Like, it's phenomenal. But it never, never felt like... I mean, obviously, it's a movie. Like, I don't... It's rare that I forget that I'm watching a movie. I never say that, but like, it doesn't feel like some something sticking out in here in terms of like the person present or the flashiness of the scene. Like, it just that didn't bug me, as opposed to something like Brad Pitt showing up and be like, "I'm Brad Pitt and I'm talking to you now."
4: Um, i I uh I felt the same way. I liked Brad Pitt. I liked Brad Pitt in the film. Uh, or maybe I thought that he just stuck out because I think that his A-list, um, position. Next to all of the character actors was just weird. That's all. Um, and so I think it was, the, I think it was exactly what you said, Aaron. That's, that was my sentiment. It was like, gee, this is odd. Why does it feel odd? I know because, you know, he's an A-list person coming in and doing a cameo and it feels weird. Yeah. Everybody else's uh, stature. Um,
0: and it, like if it was maybe like a senior actor, not necessarily in that part, but just if it was like another A-list star, but who's also like you know like Anthony Hopkins or something, it probably wouldn't have felt that way. But it seems like Brad Pitt's such a current modern day star, I guess.
4: Yeah, it, that's 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 what I finally settled on. What, gee, why does this feel weird? Um, and it, it was like either he just wants to save the the savior role for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was your other point, Aaron? That uh, here comes.
0: And I don't know if this sounds nitpicky or not, but everyone had really nice teeth in this movie. <laughs> now, that's, well, not, that's not normally something that should bother me. But I feel like this movie is so authentic in what it's presenting that everyone, everyone, plantation owners, slaves, everyone had really nice teeth in this movie. should not have been an issue that <laughs> crossed into my mind. No, yet it you... <laughs> stuck with me.
3: I have one nitpicky thing as well that's kind of relevant to that. Um, the slaves' clothes were always really clean. And yeah, they never, that I can tattered. I can see that.
0: Yeah, they never not,
3: not that tattered. They usually, you know, yeah. slaves got one to two outfits the whole year. It
1: didn't really look like that, but that's my nitpicky thing. Side note, but similar, uh, Dallas Buyers Club that bothered me in that film too. That there worked. were bills that were not uh, not slavery, but there there were there were bills that were not from the 1980s. And also, there's a photo of like a Lamborghini Avatar on the back of a wall. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> I know. I can't believe they did that. Anyway.
0: <laughs> but I mean, it, it was the kind of thing where it stuck with me long enough to be like, well, like, obviously this is bothering me because I can't get it out of my mind. So I was like, well, all right.
4: <laughs> wow, I didn't really. Uh,
0: I, I, didn't... I kind of forgave that one, Aaron. <laughs> it, it, it was just on my mind the whole time. It's like, why is this nagging at me? I guess it bothered me in the movie.
4: It's not at
1: the same time that we both were bothered by someone saying he was hung.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. I can't yeah.
1: I forget what movie that was.
0: Yeah. This movie, It wasn't this movie. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I, it, I was paying wow.
1: attention. They they said hanged quite a
0: bit. They say long. hanged. Yes. Very happy.
4: Can um, I can yeah. I uh, make a comment on um something that Abe said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the long continuous take of of Solomon just kind of being out with the woods, out in the woods and just kind of looking around and then, you know, where he's like either doing direct address, I couldn't tell if he was looking right into the camera or right past the camera, I couldn't tell. But I think that, you know, um, that was one of the kind of stylistic things that McQueen brings to this film is those long, continuous takes like the one where he's dangling on the end of the noose. Yes. These long, continuous takes that are really meant to indict the viewer in the audience or like that is the effect rather i don't i don't profess to know what the filmmakers intent is but that certainly is the uh, the effect because you know you when you have talent or you have an actor a character that looks right into camera you, you know you break the fourth wall and you know suddenly you now as the audience member are brought into or invited into or scooped up in some way into the narrative of what's going on on the screen on the screen and i think that he does that he, he, he does that at least two times that one, and then when he's dangling on the end of the rope, and that 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 moment lingers so long. Well, yeah, we also see people start to come out of their cabins and just kind of go about their daily business, like this is de rigueur, like this happens all the time. Children are playing. You know, children. You know, you're just supposed to. Oh well, you know, we can't touch them until the masses masters take them down or the mistress, either one. Um, but it lingers for such a length of time that you, the audience member. Are now put in a position of of really having to meditate on this moment and what you see and the normalcy of it, you mm-hmm. know, these kinds of moments for me, um, uh, I, I find to be almost more impactful than you know the beating scenes. Yeah,
1: no, I, I agree. That's exactly what I was uh, bringing up early on, which is when he's at the end of that noose, the the deliberateness of Steve McQueen's direction of, let's just really sl- uh, slow this down, pace it all out. Have these people slowly come out of the the slave homes, and just carry on, and that scene kind of stays there for a very long time. You see a lot of people come out, but that something that you had mentioned later in this podcast was just that the the class developments between the slaves themselves, and I, I kind of thought about that during that scene, and just why did anybody help him? Is it normal to see this? Um, possibly, um, is it because we don't like Solomon Northup? Possibly. Um, or, you know, we just don't want to do anything because we're afraid. And I, I really don't know the answer. I'm not professing to to think that you guys know it either. It's just more of, um, I did like his Steve McQueen's direction in those particular scenes.
0: It's the kind of thing that makes me really hate when, because 12, 12 Years is obviously getting a lot of acclaim, and there's obviously going to be a level of backlash, not even backlash, but just kind of other ways to interpret a film like this that's, clearly like going to go on to win accolades regardless of opinions of it but throwing out the term torture porn for this movie really bugs me just because there's a very different thing going on when you're seeing the yeah, violence in this yeah. movie versus the violence in a horror movie when you're which is a movie that you're, you're certainly trying to get a kind of reaction a kind of qual- there's something you're trying to get out of that kind of movie this movie has violent content in it but you're not trying you're not going to see this movie because you want to see that violence go on and it's just the, the way it handles those sequences like that one where he's hanging, where he's being hanged where he's hanging it. It doesn't make you complicit with it, but it certainly makes you kind of just, st- it just, it sticks you in the situation. It doesn't allow you to leave. And it's a yeah. way it's, a, it's done so effectively. I, I think you made
3: a great point saying that it doesn't allow you to leave and it doesn't allow you to look away. I think that's what, what Steve McQueen was really trying to do with these scenes that are really kind of long and drawn out. It's like, just because you think that it's enough doesn't mean that it was actually that it was enough. That anybody, you know, it, just because you think it's enough doesn't mean it. That's what it was, or that the slave owner thought it was enough. Like no, they kept going. They kept going. You know, he was he was hanging there for quite a while, and that was the fear and the normalcy that was just of the time. Especially you know, seeing people just you know play. You know, like that's. I, I think what he's trying to show is that you might think it's one way. You might think that the scene's going to end after us seeing him hanging, maybe in two shots. But no, it's going to it keeps going until until you're uncomfortable. You know, I, I you know does that make you know, does that make sense? Makes sense to me, yeah.
4: Absolutely. And uh and I and I think that I think in those moments those for me those are the moments that really um, hook me and uh, linger with me and make me uncomfortable intentionally. And I think that that's important when a filmmaker can do that. Um, uh, and, and I, and, you know, are we that far from that today? Yeah, we have, we have advanced, we have progressed. Um, but I, I think that the kind of normalness, I mean, even black on black crime, we talk about all the kind of social ills that are going on with black folks today. You learn from a moment, there's so much you can learn from a moment like that. One of which includes the devaluing of black life. Right. You know, so Abe, you know, your question mm-hmm. was that didn't come out to help. No, you didn't come out to help because then you were going to be next. You know, it, you you were not you belonged to someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the master's property and the master can do whatever the master wants with that property. Um, and I think that kind of the devalue of black life, uh, of black humanity is Is one of the things that becomes very prominent in that moment especially with people just kind of leisurely going about their business i mean you know you think about i mean and 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 to and to to be fair i don't i don't want to you know there there is a phenomenon called the african slave trade that you know kind of an occurrence that just should not have happened and it did and whatever right but you know you think about there have been other moments in Western history, and I would imagine in the East as well, but Western history, where where life is cheap, and uh, you know the conditions are different and the players are different, but life is cheap. So when you think about in Europe, how people were beheaded and and heads put on spikes, or uh, or how people were nailed to crosses as a warning. So you we have these moments, these these pockets in our history where our mind, life is devalued, that it's cheap. And um, I thought that that was, that, and that has been and continues to be a struggle um, today is in the valuing of, of certain people's lives. See, somebody's, one person's life more valuable than another, you know, that's a debate. That some people would say, absolutely, lives are more valuable than others.
0: Anyway. All right. So, um, speaking of uncomfortably long takes, let's, <laughs> let's end our discussion on – I'm really enjoying all of this that we've been talking about with the a Slave, but, you know, it's been a while. So let's move on. Let's get to our rating of the film and then move on to other things here. Um, each week on Out Now Out and A we rate films based on when you should go and see them in theaters, and we have a scale that goes from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, forget about it, on that scale – I'm sure 3D is the correct answer. <laughs> 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 but Salim, yeah, where would
3: you... Where, where would you uh, I'm a, I'd put it in IMAX 4K
1: 3D. Oh, 4K 3D, on. that's Sony style. Yeah.
4: I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I think that uh, it's definitely, you need to see it in a theater, and if you can see it in an IMAX with really good sound, you should, because this is a filmmaker that... Um, knows how to be visually and orally arresting. It should be seen in the theater with other people.
1: I agree. Abe? I definitely agree with the theater. And uh, I don't know about with other people. I, I kind of wanted to see it solo and just really take things in on my own. But, yeah, definitely, I mean, theater.
0: All right. Let's, uh, yeah, we did that for a while. Let's we'll skip callback this week. I think we kind of got an idea of what we're going to think about <laughs> with this movie. I largely had no callback. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'll say Terrence Malick came to mind. I'll, I'll say that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, do, let's do our plug first. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com. out out now podcast. There are over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 device. Uh, for you, the listeners, about now, there to name Audible is offering a free download for a free 30-day – and with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I have a book to recommend. It's pretty simple. It's called 12 Years a Slave um, by Solomon Northrop. The version I have uh, recommending is narrated by Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. Um,
1: Academy yeah, Award winner.
0: Yeah. Um, and you can download that book. You can download any other book you find on there and have a three thirty 30-day trial. If you go to audibletrial.com, slash now podcast. If you don't like it, you can still keep the free download that you got, but just take away the service. It doesn't matter. So there you go. All right. <laughs> feedback time. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Each week we go over the various feedback we get from various, from listeners on from based off our Facebook and Twitter page, answer to questions that we put on there. I could have said that better, but I'm not going to. It's taking too long. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, Leah and Salim, feel free to respond as well. But here we go. These are from various listeners to the show. Thank you for all these. I'll start. Favorite actor-director pairings. Um, Joshua has Kurt Russell and John Carpenter. Duh. <laughs> George has Steve McQueen and Michael Fassbender. Uh, Philip put Wes Anderson and Bill Murray. Good choice. Danny has Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman. Other good choice. Linda has Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Joe has Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale. Adam has Martin Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio. And Jason has Quentin Tarantino and Samuel L. Jackson.
1: Yeah. and then we asked favorite films about a person who wrote about their, uh, who wrote about their own book chronicling their life struggles. Uh, probably because of that better as well. Um, anyway, Danny writes The Hobbit, if that counts. I think we, we thought that, that was pretty clever. That was, that was a clever girl. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jason
1: writes uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, Game of Shadows. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Linda writes American Splendor. Good choice. That's a good uh, choice. Kyle writes The Mighty. Uh, Philip writes Into the Wild, if that counts. I think it's a journal um, that was uh, uh, based on the book. I, I not right Into a book. Yes. Uh, April writes Not my favorite movie, but the first thing that comes to mind is Copycat. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also asked What's your favorite film that features a character Going through a long period of suffering We're talking multiple years here people uh, William writes Shawshank Redemption And Joshua says Dang Shawshank was a great answer uh, Philip writes Shawshank Honorable mention to Zodiac um, hmm. Joshua uh, also writes Anne Frank All the Anne Frank movies are pretty touching I really liked the newest version that was produced um, Linda writes Sophie's Choice Uh, Manish writes recently Zero Dark Thirty Uh, Mike writes The Road Uh, Sharon writes New Voyager of course Now Voyager Now Voyager of course Uh, Ryan writes Castaway And Kelly writes uh, Forrest Gump Okay Two Tom Hanks movies in a row I guess guess Jenny was the suffering character (laughs) Uh, I don't know I don't
0: don't think Forrest really suffered in that movie
1: (laughs) And he probably didn't write his own uh, biography, right?
2: Well, that, well if that's... you look
3: at it existentially, he was suffering from his own lowered intelligence that
1: he was kind of Una- tortured by. <laughs> yeah, he's not a smart man, but he knows what love is, right? Just yeah, leave mm-hmm. him alone. And mm-hmm. I
0: taught her how to dangle. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> um, the next question we have, who are some actors that you think deserve to be the big-name stars known by all? Mike has Rob Corddry for Hot Tub Time Machine, if nothing else. <laughs> Jason <laughs> has Nathan Fillion, Chris Evans, and Steve Arnell. I had to look up Steve Arnell, by the way, um, who is Arrow, I guess. So, yeah, good. Oh, okay.
1: Um,
0: he was also on Hung, I liked Hung with Tom Jane. He was on the last season. With Thomas June. Jane? Yeah. yeah. Um, Kyle, ha- Kyle has Brad Renfro. Uh, Mark has Dane DeHaan. Jason also has Charlie Day. Brandon Peters, friend of the show, has Sun Kang. John Grease, Judy Greer, I like that choice, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, Mark, came back and said, I also second Brandon's Judy Greer choice. She's this generation's Mary Steenburgen.
1: That means she's going to star in Back to the Future Part 3. okay? Or it.
0: Hot Top to Time Machine 2. Um, <laughs> the, this,
1: the, this, this generation's equivalent to the Back to the Future. Brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Hot Time, to, the hot time, time, time Machine, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: Danny Murphy also put Steve and Arnell, as well as Jensen Ackles. So the, the CW crowd's getting a lot of love, apparently. Because George also put Manu, Manu Bennett, uh, Crix from Spartacus, which I support that choice, and he's also Slade and Arrow, apparently. Uh, Chris Kennedy, he has Tatiana Maslany, he's um, on um, Orphan Black. Uh, Philip has Idris Elba, whether he's given the lead or a small role, he crushes it. Agree. Um, Adam Gentry, friend of the show, has, For me, it's a matter of certain international stars that I don't think really get the credit they deserve stateside. I'm thinking of Juliet Binoche, Isabel Hooper, and Dennis Levant. I want to throw in Timothy Spall as well, too. He often doesn't get the chance to showcase his wonderful range with the sniffling henchman roles he usually gets. I agree with that choice, actually. I see Timothy Spall in other roles, and I'm like, oh, that's him. I always (laughs) see him as a sniffling (laughs) henchman character. Uh, Adam has Ben Foster and Elizabeth Banks. Linda has John Turturro. And, yeah, that's it. There we go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A lot of feedback this week. Yeah. A lot of of multiple likes on on some plays. So, there
0: you go. Uh, We also had some questions for us that... All of us can answer. Um, this one we kind of addressed last week, but Jason asked, do you think Netflix should make a Punisher TV series and how would they approach it? Yes. Yeah, yes is an easy answer. <laughs> I'm
3: sorry. I just had to, I had to jump in on that one. Approaching, yeah, approaching
0: it, I, would, I, gotta, if I file it into how, we, how I prefer to see kind of these other Marvel shows being handled on Netflix, if I had my way, where they kind of be these good, kind of gritty 70s crime drama series. I think the Punisher would fit into that very well. In fact, when I saw that they were doing the Daredevil, it immediately
3: just made me think of why aren't they doing the Punisher? Yeah. Just because it just it just seems like the most logical step, but I guess they have a whole team thing that they're trying to think about, and I'm not sure if the Punisher was a part of – I'm not sure what team he was a part of, so
0: maybe it wouldn't have worked. It's a matter of – like, and Alan talked about this really well last week, I thought, where he, he noted that the Punisher – it's unique in the Marvel universe because the violence is such a thing outside the realm of other Marvel characters where he's one that's actually killing people and doing things like that where all the other Marvel heroes have a kind of – not necessarily a friendlier vibe, but they don't deal with the darker stuff that Punisher allows himself mm-hmm. to. And you see that in movies anyway that aren't comic book movies. So it's not really – it's not offering anything new, I guess, is the answer.
1: Yeah, so, I get that. But if I it mean, is – It'll certainly give John Travolta's more money. I mean, they'll probably <laughs> cast him again as a villain, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Mike asks I want to know why Neil Marshall isn't more highly regarded. I think he's an excellent director. He directed such films as, uh, what's that one? The Descent. Where they... The Descent, uh, yeah. The Descent. Uh, what's the
0: other one? Uh, Doomsday. Um, he did Centurion with Michael Fassbender. Something about some devil dog things. Oh, with Dog Soldiers. Dog Soldiers. And he did the Blackwater episode of Game of Thrones, a, I think a, a pretty big favorite for a lot of people. Um, because he makes really violent stuff. That's why. <laughs> um,
1: and strange.
0: I think I I think I na- I, I called him out for a uh, de- uh, uh, Deadpool movie last week though. I think he crushed. Oh, movie. is he slated to to direct one? No, I'm just saying. I called that. Oh, okay. I, I called okay. it out last week as
1: that'd be a good idea. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh,
0: Josh asked us what could be a tough question. Top five movies for all time for Aaron and Abe. <laughs> um,
1: all time is a tough question.
0: Do you have any you want to throw out there?
1: I, I was thinking about it deeply, uh, personally, because you texted me to think about it deeply. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, that's that's a tough one. Like, for all time is, yeah, I mean, first things first, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 1990s film, apparently because that's the first movie I've ever saw in theaters. Um, so I don't care how bad it is. It's great.
2: What's- um it's not, not a bad movie. It's yeah, it's not. It's, le-
1: it's great. I think it's legit not a bad movie. <laughs> some people, some people think that it's a comic movie. It's not great. Some it's... people forget what that movie is. compared to the, the Or some people forget what the comic book is based on, which is a very gritty turtle action swordplay. I don't know. Move on. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult to, to answer this question for all time. I mean, I, there's a lot of movies that I like a lot. And I don't know, just for some nostalgia purposes, I really like some over, over others, but all time. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, what, do you, what did you think?
0: Um, So I thought of this as – because I've answered this kind of question before in terms of like if there was only five movies you could watch for the rest of your life, what would they be? And so I I had some ready. And <laughs> so I I have – for one like set, I have Fight Club, Pulp Fiction, Empire Strikes Back, Psycho, and Jaws. Those are all favorite movies of mine anyway, and those are movies I feel like I could probably enjoy watching for the rest of my life if I had to choose. Hmm. Of course, not being satisfied with just having five movies, I had two other sets of five. <laughs> I, had a, I had a more classical list, a 2001, Susan Kane, The Apartment, Goodfellas, and Treasure of the Sierra Madre. That'd just be an amazing set of five movies to watch for the rest of your life. And for international fans, City of God, Pan's Labyrinth, Rashomon, Seven Samurai, and Amelie. So there you go.
1: Ah, Amelie. One of my favorites. Last thing, this is just
0: from Izzy because I like reading things that Izzy writes. Uh, why would anyone have gr- ever greenlit that abomination, Alex Cross with all people, Tyler Perry, Morgan Freeman for life? I don't know why, Izzy. I don't know what the I, yeah. Is. I
1: don't know. I heard uh, that he just Jackman was supposed to be in that role, but he kind of got scheduling conflicts.
4: So
0: Alex Cross, ten dollars a target right now. Just saying
1: for Blu-ray too.
0: For Blu-ray. Yeah.
4: Just don't even know where to begin with Alex Cross. <laughs> But Matthew Fox lost so much weight. He got really fit for that role. I just don't even know what was up with that. That was just, it, it, you know, I, abomination. I don't know about that. But um, it, uh, it was, a, it was at, at the very least, a huge miscalculation. But I think that, uh, you know, Tyler Perry has been really vocal. And he just he was just really clear that he wanted to have a career like Will Smith. And, you know, so I, I don't know if he's, if people want to be in bed with him because his movies make a lot of money domestically. So they said, okay, here's an opportunity for him to cross over and maintain his core audience while, you know, bringing in new fans. The problem, it was just a horrible miscalculation on so many different levels. It's just your core audience, which are 50-year-old black church ladies, you know, are, they might have seen Along Came a Spider, you know, 14 years. Know, when when uh, Morgan Freeman was in it. But that's not your core demographic now. So they're not necessarily going to follow you over into the world of, you know, police detective, blah, blah, blah. But then it had all of the schmaltz in it that just – I have one of the seven people in the world who actually saw that. <laughs> there were only
1: six others?
4: Yeah, Matthew
0: Fox's family and friends. I mean, <laughs> and
4: the, and Tyler Perry hired the rest to watch it. Oh, <laughs> Right, so you know, it was. Um, there are probably a lot of business reasons that were associated with that. Uh, somebody thought that they were going to get crossover and jettison his career into becoming more mainstream, and uh, it, you know they rolled the dice and they came up snake eyes.
1: Boom! Yeah. All Nicholas
4: right.
0: Cage movie. Speak. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, fourteen years ago, let's get to box office talk um things that happened at the box office this weekend i mentioned that because best man came out in 1999 14 years later best man holiday arrives in theaters and it was a success it hit second place this weekend with 30 million dollars oh, nice. um pretty nice. close to what i think i think like a man opened like 33 million back in april of last year uh thor was still number one uh, which makes sense So with 38 million which is fine um but uh yeah best man holiday good job good job guys nice for that job. one um Dallas Pires Club close to the top ten. Twelve Years a Slave has been in the top ten for like just lingering in the bottom but still just making its share fair amount of money for the limited amount of theaters it's in versus the kind of movie it is. Um and yeah, it's pretty I you know, I keep forgetting this, but Gravity has made a ton of money. I don't mention this enough. Has it made a uh,
1: 150 yet?
0: It's made two hundred forty here. Oh, there you go. Whoa. It's it's the it's the wow. fifth highest grossing movie of this year um domestically worldwide it's like eighth. it has like 500 it was over 500 billion it's very impressive for a completely original movie
1: well, <laughs> well once we got out, 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 out that that susan or that sandra Bullock was going to be in her uh, in her tighties you know it just spread like wildfire in her, t- her tighties <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh what
0: yeah, what time oh
1: is it? aaron is it is it finally the time for some levity and some some games It's, it's a long week. It's a long podcast. We've got to go short on the theme this week for games. <laughs> no problem. Uh, We've got a game for everybody this week. Uh, it's called Before and After. It was actually originally named Failed Movie Script Submitted to Hollywood by Aaron and Abe, but Before and After sounds a lot better. Black Brits so... is not a failed movie script. <laughs> <laughs> That's a TV show! Uh, Alright, so this is basically a mashup of uh, two movies uh, with folks that starred in the movie 12 Years a Slave. Um, and... Uh, Try oh. and uh, put the two titles together and you'll have a pretty fun game, I suppose.
0: So, <laughs> you make it sound not fun, but go no, on.
1: <laughs> no no, real winners. Let's see. <laughs> All right. Number one. Keenan Ivory Wayans and Michael Fassbender in a movie about sex and cops? A
0: low-down dirty, low down dirty
1: shame. shame. That is correct! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kenneth Everdeen versus the Irish Republican Army? That's crazy.
0: The Hunger... Games?
1: that is correct okay oh okay <laughs> uh number three michael Fenster michael fassbender may have started in a film with Viggo mortensen but it would have been cooler if coolio did a track danger a
0: dangerous method minds oh dangerous sure method. yeah what was the answer you're
1: going for i was going with that exactly dangerous method minds okay <laughs> <laughs> and again no real winners <laughs> number four keep harrison ford and paul dano but add tommy lee jones clint eastwood among others and this new film may have been much cooler space cowboys Mm, almost say that again keep harrison ford and paul dano but add in tommy lee jones clint eastwood among others and this new film may have been much cooler
0: is that like the fourth indiana space space cowboys and aliens
1: that is correct
0: (laughs) oh okay (laughs)
1: i'm sorry what, leah what were you saying nothing nothing <laughs> all right number five a vietnam veteran clashes with the crooked oil tycoon in an ultimate battle of good versus evil it's never over
2: <laughs> say that again i'm sorry
1: <laughs> a vietnam veteran I'm clashes good. with the crooked oil tycoon in an ultimate battle of good versus evil it's never over you just don't turn it off
0: I, I know what you're going for. I'm trying to put it together. <laughs> What's the Vietnam one?
4: Uh... Who's the Vietnam vet? John Rambo? Well, I thought of Rambo. Ra-
0: Rambo Rango? Like what No,
4: it's actually called something something.
0: First
1: no. blood.
4: No. Blood. There will be first blood. That is correct! Boom! Ah.
1: <laughs> there will be first blood. <laughs>
4: Never over. You just don't turn it off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. That's a great line. Or that's a great part of, of the film. And uh...
4: oh, Paul Dano. I like him. Paul Dano. I'm, I was glad
1: he got his cup up in that movie. Cup, come comeuppance in that I movie. I know it's required of the character, but I still was. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. A movie about lovers who can choose to forget one another while traveling to a beauty pageant with their family. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Little Wait. Little Miss Miss (laughs) Eternal. That's correct. Both of you guys. Something like that. I was like, it's gonna come to me. Number seven. When Earth is invaded by alien tripod fighting machines, it gets worse when a zombie outbreak occurs. War of the World War Z. That is correct.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. Oh yes. These are fun. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. Yeah, Leah. I was talking about their favorite pairings. Director actor pairings.
1: Yeah,
4: you know it's really cheesy, but I I like when Spielberg and Cruz work together. Yeah,
1: my report is a great movie.
4: For War of the Worlds, I mean, you know it's good. And then there's that moment, that little lull in the middle there with Tim Robbins. And then big lull for me. getting World War ii Nazi Germany all of a sudden. How did this happen? And then you know, then we go back to the rest of the film. And then it, you know. But anyway, I I like when when Spielberg and work together. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Keep no. Going. No.
1: No problem. I like that.
4: Number, uh, number eight. Picture this. Fast
1: Eddie felson reads up on sabermetrics and joins Billy Bean to hustle the major league baseball.
0: Yes. Ooh. Fast. Say say the first part again.
1: Picture this. Fast Eddie Felsen reads up on sabermetrics and joins Billy Bean to hustle Major League Baseball. The,
0: the Color of Moneyball.
1: <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> Crush that one. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Number 9. Ooh, who's, who connects in that film? Uh, I don't know actually. Oh, uh, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt.
0: <laughs> He's not the Tom Cruise is
1: in The Color of Money. I don't I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> one person in one movie at least. <laughs> Number nine, a man in a yellow hat and his pet monkey come upon a boy who is actually an old man.
3: Uh, the Curious Case of, of George Button. I don't know.
1: <laughs> curious George and the Case, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button was what I was going for. The curious but yeah, George
0: Case of Benjamin. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what happens in that movie, Abe?
1: Uh, you as, get scared.
0: Uh, no, as they were getting younger, I was, as I was getting younger, they were getting
1: older. Crazy talk. No, really. That's my brother. Crazy talk. (laughs) Number 10. Is this the last one? Yeah, last one. one. Hey, listeners, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10. Death takes on the life of a ballerina and dances its way into craziness.
0: Meet
4: Joe Black Swan.
1: That is correct. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Meet
4: Joe Black Swan. Brilliant. I am great at this
0: game,
1: apparently.
4: <laughs> you kind of, you kind of oh. crushed it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I wasn't sure if you were gonna get the death part. Death takes from the life. Oh, in the come Bellary. on, meet
0: Joe Black. That has like the best car hit scene of all time.
1: Yes, yeah, we we've discussed that in a in the commentary. <laughs> all right, so uh, everybody wins. Congratulations! Yay! Yay!
0: All right, we're getting to the end. I swear. Um, out now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Just a quick mention and a yay or nay for you guys. Here we go. The World's End. Yay. Hey. Yay. Uh, Disney's Planes.
1: Didn't see it, boo. No. <laughs> uh, we Are the Millers. I uh, didn't see it, boo. No.
0: Yeah. Yay. It's, it's a rental. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, dose
4: Guns. <laughs> didn't see it, but didn't I guarantee you that it's good. Uh, It's not even a rental. It's like if you see it on cable. Oh, there Fair. you go.
0: Uh, yeah. the t- the to do list. I like the to do list. I didn't
1: see it, but did didn't want do. to see it. Boo! Heard it was boo though. I like the to do list.
0: Uh, paranoia. No, no, I think this is the one where ever since Liam Hemsworth came to work for me, right? <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, that was a movie that happened. Uh, last one. This one's All Is Bright, and I just got to review this Blu-ray. Actually, didn't it, has, see this. it has it has Paul G- it has Paul Giamatti and Paul Rudd. As, like, former criminals that try to sell Christmas trees to make some ends meet during the holidays. And it's a, it's a neat drama. It's a neat drama comedy. Okay. Mild recommend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mild? <laughs> Thanks, jürgen Soap.
0: Okay, here we go. Next week's show, we're talking about the... Well, Abe's talking about The Hunger I, Games, the Hunger Catching Games. Fire, the new Hunger Games film. Uh, we we got to predict some box office here what we think The Hunger Games is going to be. I got it. I got it. Wait, what did
1: the first one do? It made one hundred and
0: fifty-seven million in its opening weekend. In
1: April, though, yeah.
0: Back in March. March. Hmm. As this of, is yeah. Thanksgiving. This is I'm Thanksgiving. Gonna, I'm gonna
1: go big. I'm gonna say first place with the uh, with the uh, eighty-six million. That's it. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna go less than half of the pro of the first. Okay. <laughs> hey, people have pla- People have
0: places to go. Well, it, it does come out before Thanksgiving, just to keep that in mind. But okay. Salim, <laughs> uh, uh, thoughts. Uh.
3: You said, what did you say the first one? One hundred eighty-five. You said for the 157 first one. One hundred fifty-seven million.
4: One hundred fifty-seven. Uh, I'd go for one hundred and sixty. Wow, it's a good guess. You know, I think it's gonna match its opening weekend of its original. This one looks. This one looks. This one looks better than the first one. Um, I think it's probably a little darker, but I think that um, I understand that in the series of books, this book is apparently the best out of all of them. It's really, I really like the book, the second book. Yeah. You no, know, and I, so I, I think that I think it's gonna match, and and yeah, I think it's gonna match the uh, the first one. All right.
0: I I did something I never do, Abe. I wrote down a number before we started the show. Awkward. I know, but I wrote down 140. So. Uh... We'll see. I I don't know why, but I just you know went a little under, but still. Well, quite, we're almost to
1: a, a number in the show too. Quite so.
0: quite a huge number. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> so that's next week, and uh, th- that of course brings us to the end of the show. <laughs> Woo! Next- Marathon. It's, <laughs> it's been a long one, but that's gonna do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more for you. You can find more of my work in my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews, as well as some infrequent blogging I might do about my trip in South Africa. I'm gonna try and do some stuff over there and add pictures.
1: <laughs> Infrequently.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know what my situation is gonna be internet-wise, but I'm gonna do what I can because I want to because I want to share, Abe. That's uh, yeah, that's good. I want to share. Yeah. Um. You can also follow me at Twitter at twittercom slash ps 4 Abe.
1: You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com/slash walrus moose hashtag walrus moose ps4 <laughs> nice uh salim catch me on just seen
4: and just seen it on pbs leah you can catch me on just seen and on youtube and more importantly on pbs you can also catch me in the third season of la hair that should be airing you know midsummer next year 2014 Ooh. And, uh, such lovely hair we get to see it on TV
2: so...
4: and, that. Uh, and um, my Twitter handle is Lee Lee Reads Lee, Lee L-E-E-L-E-E Reads that's okay.
0: me cool uh, you can of course find all the other episodes about the much shorter episodes about now with there name on iTunes and at Stitcher as well as at hhwled.com where you can find our show there along with the other shows on that network including the Walking Dead TV podcast and the Crane Cranecast both shows that I am featured on and other shows about comics and games and other fun stuff like that with some cool guys.
1: Find our new episodes as well as exclusives over at outnow.poderman.com where we host our night's episodes. Uh, Also check out our YouTube page, very old, outdated, youtube.com slash outnowpodcast.
0: Email us outnowpodcast at gmail.com Let us know your frustration with the length of this episode or your thoughts on 12 Years a Slave. Either of those will be accepted. (laughs) <laughs> and also yeah. interact
1: with us over at faceway.com/outnowpodcast. Well, we can read your quotes, we can read your thoughts and answers and we'd love when you guys have much fun with us.
0: And if emailing us is too much of a hassle to complain about our show, go to twitter.com/outnow_podcast where you can tweet us in 140 characters of how long the show was and whether or not you appreciated it.
1: Also check out our latest endeavor outnowpodcast.com where we can post our new episodes and just fun stuff around, around the internet.
0: I'm, of course, joking and kidding about the complaint stuff. Regardless of the thoughts on this episode, I'm happy that any listener that stuck around this long did stick around this long. But I'm also happy that. a lesson. I'm also happy that. Yeah, I'm also happy that we had a very. I enjoyed this conversation that I had, so I thank you, Salim, and Leah, for coming on the show today to discuss 12 Years of Slave with us. Thank you for having me. Yes. Yeah, both of us. <laughs> Great. And, um, yeah, this is. My sign off for a couple weeks. I'll be. I'm,
1: I'm Aaron! No! <laughs> I'm going oh. to Africa. Plus um, the, the rains down in Africa.
0: This, this, this is really the blackest episode we've ever done of this show. I'm literally going to Africa after we
2: record
1: this. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, thanks you guys for coming on. Thanks to our listeners for listening. And until next time when Abe takes the reins for himself, so long.
2: And goodbye. What does it mean? Freedom mean to a free man? free man What does wine and roses mean to a dreamer What does freedom mean to a free man What does the earth mean, mean to the seas? What does freedom mean to a free man What does the water mean to the vine What does revolution mean Time. What does freedom mean to a free man? What does a potter finger me? What does freedom mean to a free man? What does a shepherd mean to the one who strays? What affection means to a lover in the day?
0: I don't think there's any embargo on this. I'm just gonna say it's delightful. I really enjoyed Frozen. Um, there's cool. there's some really good songs in there. There's one ballad that I really liked a lot. That's I I would not mind like hearing incessantly in Disneyland when I go. Um, but it's a it's a it's a fine Disney animated musical. I enjoyed it. And, I'm gonna try
1: and pick it out when I see the movie. I'll be like, I think this is all Aaron's talking about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think you'll know. Uh, We're
1: frozen. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. We're all frozen.
0: That's the hook. Pharrell jumps in on that part. It's great.